think you're the only superhero in the world? Mr. Stark, you become part of a bigger universe. You just don't know it yet. The Avengers, Earth's mightiest heroes. There are relics that predate the universe itself. The Mind Stone is the fourth of the Infinity Stones to show up in the last few years. It's not a coincidence. Before creation itself, there were six singularities. Forged into Infinity Stones. Welcome to the Nerd Room's MCU Retrospective Series, a 16-month look back at the Marvel Cinematic Universe leading into a weekend of release review of Avengers Infinity War. I'm on your host, Tim. I'm Troy. And I'm Sanjay. And this week, we'll be discussing Captain America, the Winter Soldier, the ninth entry into the MCU and the first solo cap film set in modern day. Now, this stars Chris Evans, Scarlett Johansson, Sebastian Stan, Anthony Mackie, Colby Smulders, Frank Grillo, Emily Van Camp, Haley Atwell, Robert Redford, and Samuel L. Jackson, directed by Anthony and Joe Russo. That is a mouthful. <laughs> Even the directors, it's not just one director, yeah. there's two. two. Two guys, which I think is very important here. But gentlemen, welcome back to the retrospective table. It's exciting to be talking about The Winter Soldier, and we're just coming off the back end of the release of the Avengers Infinity War trailer. Man, I'm so stoked because of this trailer to be talking about this movie. There seems to be some finality to Cap's arc in Infinity War, and I really think his story, his story, his solo story picks up in Winter Soldier. This is the first time we're seeing him in modern day doing his own thing. Guys, you got to tell me, how are you feeling about watching Winter Soldier coming back to it for the first time in, for me at least, in probably a year or so? Yeah, for me it's been a couple of years, but I'm in awe. This, this movie's incredible. If you go back a couple Nerd Room episodes, we were doing a ranking of our MCU films. For some reason, I took this off my list. It's a tough one to do, but I took it off. But after watching this movie again, man, it's right back up there. It might be my number one MCU film. Wow. Like, I was sleeping last time, man. This movie <laughs> is so good. That's high praise. Number one, High praise, eh? man. Yeah, that takes out my homecoming. That takes out my Black Panther. Those guys are two or three. But you know what? Ultimately, it took out Civil War. I love Civil War. Yeah. But I thought, you know what? Civil War has Panther and has Spidey, but I'll have to bump that one out because I got a standalone Spidey. I got a standalone pa- Black Panther. Winter Soldier's here to stay, man. It, it's such a good film. Um, it's definitely my favorite Cap film. It's probably like I have it number two just behind Black Panther, but it seems to be the consensus. Whenever you ask like people, like, what's your favorite film? This one always gets mentioned, eh? Definitely. It's, it's up there because, at least for me too, it seems to be a pivot point in the MCU. You go back and you look at, you have your Iron Man big standout. You have Avengers big standout. The other movies somewhat are there, right? Like, I really enjoy most of them, especially the first Avenger. And we always refer to the Winter Soldier effect, right? Right. It makes the first Avenger better. 
But it was this movie I found within the MCU. This is the third movie in Phase 2. We're coming off the back end of two okay to mediocre films in Iron Man 3 and Thor The Dark World. You can go Mm -hmm. back and check out our reviews on those. We weren't overly positive with those. But here is when I think the quality of the MCU turned. You follow on from this, you've got Guardians, then you go into all the other films that we, like Doctor Strange, Black Panther, even Age of Ultron. Like we, We have almost a big shift in the universe again. You've got the Avengers, and then you've poured out the back end of that. And then coming into Winter Soldier, it's like, okay, we're in a different universe now. Everything following on from this has been a standout hit and a critical success. And I think the universe in itself has a lot to owe to this film because it pivoted. We refer to Ragnarok as Thor's Winter Soldier, right? Like there's a reason why that constantly gets referred to because it took a character that was a bit comic book-esque in the Avengers that we had a 1945 version of and brought him into modern day and made him a household name. Yeah, it's one of those rare sequels that actually holds up a lot better than the original. You know, like when you go through like the annals of cinema everyone knows there's a couple ones that people mention and this winter soldier is definitely one of them for me uh, this one is heads and shoulders i i like this head and shoulders above uh first avenger yeah no definitely this is a lot better than the first one in my opinion yeah. and like you already mentioned the winter soldier effect this is where it all started this is what um this movie is what made uh captain america first avenger so much better yeah right and this movie really does stand pretty well on its own two feet but also sets up so much more along the way yeah when i went back and watched this specifically for this review i wrote the the word reveal down probably a dozen times because as you're going through this movie you keep having these big reveals the story builds and builds and escalates to a point where you're like okay what else can they tell us and then boom the hydra bomb drops yeah and this is another movie that moved a character you look at what ragnarok did for thor you look at even what i feel some of the later avengers films did for iron man particularly maybe avengers one how it moved a character into a different frame this movie does that for Captain America. Like it even kicks off in a way that you're just, this is so different from anything we've gotten before. You're expecting this Boy Scout and you get someone that is just this incredible military precision, intense dude, yeah. but also has that heart of Captain America. Yes. We're going to get into all the discussion <laughs> here. So big thing I should throw out here at the start, major spoils from Winter Soldier. I'm sure everyone listening to this has seen this in the past. This did come out in 2014. But spoilers going for it, and even all for the rest of the Marvel Cinematic Films as well, because we're probably pulling some of those in here. But one thing I want to talk about, we always talk about the development of the film, kind of where it kicked off. I want to highlight here the two writers, Christopher Marcus and Stephen McFeely. Now, they did do some writing on Thor The Dark World. They wrote this, but then they also followed the Russo brothers and wrote Civil War and have both written Infinity War and Avengers Part 4, whatever it's going to be called. So these writers that wrote this film, have continued through the Marvel Cinematic Universe and delivered some of the biggest movies and one of the movies we're most anticipating in Infinity War. So I think it's cool that we've had this continuum of writers stemming from Captain America the Winter Soldier. And it's an interesting thing here. Troy and I were discussing before we started this podcast about how Infinity War from the trailers feels a lot like Cap's story. To me, you look at the writers, you look at the directors, there's a reason why. It may be the avenue for the audience in to go through Captain America, but you have these writers that have been consistently in Cap's universe writing a Cap-focused story for the last four years. 
So I wouldn't doubt if we see a lot of elements of Captain America and using him as the audience's way in, in Infinity War. Like, do you guys agree with that? Yeah, I completely agree, especially because coming off the heels of this film, I really feel like the MCU shifted its gears towards Cap more so than Iron Man. Yeah. I really feel like he took kind of like the Wonder Woman effect in the DCU Cap, much like Wonder Woman, kind of stole the show and ran with it, and he's been running with it ever since. I feel like it's really been his world since this film. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think Cap, he's the heart of the Avengers, right? He's like the one we all identify with. He is always doing the right thing. There's a reason for that. He's just so likable. He's such a good character. Everyone loves him. You don't have to be American to love Captain America. Uh, just just even on Twitter before I came, a lot of people were talking about how Captain America is their favorite Avenger, and That's I would agree. That's a nice agree. little Twitter battle. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. It's it like the opposite of a battle because we were actually agreeing for Everyone's just two. high-fiving about oh, Captain America. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Twitter high-five, yeah. yeah. So the Captain America. But it's really interesting when you look, maybe we'll get into the box office gross later, but if you look at that, I mean, his numbers are way down compared to Iron Man. Yeah. When you even look at Civil War, yeah. like mm. it's been outperformed by Black Panther already. Yeah. yeah. And Civil War was a pseudo Avengers film with a Captain America story. Yeah. yeah. So I think that's where we're going to get an Infinity War, but Infinity War is going to be on a much grander scale. But when we're, when we're again, swinging back to the development of this, this whole film and taking Captain America into modern day, doing his thing along with S.H.I.E.L.D., bringing him up to date and giving him a new identity. They did this via an interesting genre and that's a 70s spy political thriller and i really really like what they did here what the writers and the directors did with this because they took something like captain america and made him extremely relevant to modern day you not only take the character and drop them into 2014 but then you make the movie and surround it with the idea of surveillance and drone strikes and antitrust everything that we're dealing with snowden WikiLeaks, and you put that into a film and you surround Captain America with that. So not only do you take the character and modernize him, but you take that whole story and make it perfectly relevant. So you give that political end of the thriller and you make this something that feels real. I think that's why a lot of people connect in with this film is that you're taking Captain America and essentially making him deal with things that we're all dealing with right now. And what I love about this is how they seeded so much of Civil War in here whether by accident or not, because of the way they set this film. Captain America himself, as we've discussed, and even in Civil War, the comic books, you expect him to side with the government. You see all the seeds of mistrust sown in this film itself, and you understand why Captain America cannot sign the Sokovia Accords later on. So retroactively, this movie is made even better by what they're able to do and pull from this film and put it into Civil War. Yeah, no, I completely agree. It's, it's great what they've really done here, especially kind of like, I remember going back, and this is more towards the comics, that up until Winter Soldier and Civil War, I was never really like a huge Cap guy. It was really around this time, not in the movie, but with the Winter Soldier effect is when I really started getting invested in the character a little bit more so, because I felt there was more layers to this character. There's a lot more going on than just the blue, red, and and white, you know what I mean? So um, this movie, you know, takes hints of that and just goes so much further. It gives you that espionage, that born identity uh, for all you yes. video game heads out there, the Metal Gear Solid mm-hmm. kind of stuff going on in this movie. It's all in here. And I just, I think they do such a great job. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's not an easy task. You take Captain America, the first one, he's fighting Nazis. So how do you bring that forward to 2008, uh, 2014 when this came out? You know, uh, the idea of just fighting like the, the mustache twirling enemy it could have they could have done that and then it would have just been like kind of hokey but they actually made it feel more realistic like the real today 
threats and the things that are going on today. You know, unfortunately, maybe uh, the Nazis are coming back. I don't know. No, <laughs> <laughs> dipping our toes into that political end of things. Yeah. But but you're right, right? It, the the advantage they didn't have with Captain America is that they did with Iron Man and Thor is in their solo films, they were able to go and drop them back into the universe they already established. Thor went back to the Warriors 3 and Loki and Odin and all that. And Iron Man went back to Pepper Potts, yep. Happy Hogan, and his universe. So they had to reconstruct everything around Captain America because he essentially had nothing to go back to. So sticking with S.H.I.E.L.D. makes absolute perfect sense. And you know, using characters like Black Widow and Nick Fury in here, again, bring this movie and make it relevant. It doesn't beg the question of where is everyone else that the other two films do. And we tried to explain our ways around that in the previous retrospective episodes. But this one... I find myself never questioning where are the Avengers. Well, this is happening in within a couple of days, but at the same time, you're not going to call Iron Man. This isn't Iron Man's thing. This is something that escalates very rapidly, and you don't know who to trust. You don't know if Tony's on your side, whatever. So right. I like how they set all of this up and modernize Captain America. Yeah, you're only calling Tony if you have a birthday party. <laughs> exactly. exactly. Which is interesting. We can. Well, it's probably a good time to get into that. This movie happens after presumably Iron Man 3, yeah. but they're asking for Iron, Iron Man, Man, but he shouldn't exist, right? Right, exactly, because he's know. no longer Iron Man. Yeah, yeah. yeah. it's yeah. kind of weird. Anyways, <laughs> small continuity here. Yeah. <laughs> Let's talk a bit about the Russos here. Joan Anthony Russos. Now, they're relative unknowns up until this point, really. They had done Community, yep, which is hit. which is what they Great got this show. job on yeah. from Kevin Feige. He saw an episode, a parody episode. But up until this point, they had really only done You, Me, and Dupree. Great so movie. exactly not the guys that you hire to do a big-budget Captain America film. But man, did they ever nail this? Oh, it was massive. I remember hearing like that those guys were hired on to do this, and I was kind of scratching my head because at this time, if I can go back in time, I wasn't that big on Cap 1. It was okay. And when I heard they got the Russo brothers to do this movie, I was like, really? So my intentions going into this film was kind of already let down. I was like, hmm, we'll see where this is going to go. Because mm-hmm. I ever surprised right yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> well i'm a huge fan of community i love that show and there's actually a easter egg from a community member yes. in this movie yeah that's right yeah so when i heard that you know i was a little bit taken back but then you know being a big fan of community i was like okay i'll give him a chance because that's such a terrific show i wasn't quite sure how this was going to fit a lot of times you know it's about that kind of out of the box casting or that out of out of the box choice and this time, Marvel, they, you know, they took a chance on relatively unknowns, and they delivered. Yeah, they, they pulled from this TV talent pool again, the same way they did with Joss Whedon. So I like the idea, too, and it, it seemingly makes sense. Having two directors bounce ideas off each other. It worked here. It works in Civil War. Hopefully, it works in Infinity War. I have no doubt that it is. But it seems like they're able to handle these huge films. Now, this was the first step, but you look at Civil War on big ensemble casts. Infinity War, big ensemble cast. Even this one relative to Iron Man 3 and that, this is a fairly big ensemble cast when you're dealing with the layers of characters you have in here. So again, pulling from this TV talent pool is an interesting avenue because maybe it's these type of guys that have the ability to give enough focus to each character by having the experience in the TV universe. Each each character seemingly gets their own arc. I never wear thin on anyone, and I'm never asking for more of a particular character. Like, I always want to see more Cap, 
But we get a good story out of him, and we get enough from the other characters like Black Widow and Sam Jackson. They even take the opportunity there to lean on their stories and develop them a little bit, even in the background. We hear about Fury's Eye. We hear a bit about Black Widow's history and the KGB and the Soviet Union and her relationship with Winter Soldier. So they're able to do a lot of things. There's a lot of moving pieces in here, but it never feels clunky. Yeah, and I say that's like their specialty, you know, from this film, but especially even going into Civil War, you know, focusing on every character. A big thing with a lot of these superhero films as they get bigger and as they do these these world building movies is you got to really concentrate on all these other characters. You know, it's really you really feel the price when they have a, a movie full of a bunch of characters and not everybody got to kind of shine or it's a kind of overwhelming. But the Russo brothers pulled it off every time with Civil War. I felt like everybody got their doses. Yeah. And in this film, right off the bat, like you get some you get some Falcon, Sam Wilson, you, you get Cap, you get Black Widow all within like five minutes and you're like, cool, you got a good feel of them. Like I gotta say, like this movie is the best I've liked Black Widow at the time. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. out of all the other Black Widow appearances, this is the one where it's like boom, I'm on mm-hmm. it. Like I want more of her. This is what I'm like, I could do a movie. Yeah. For sure, a Black Widow. Yeah, um, this movie here, definitely, you could tell they learned their lesson from Iron Man 2. Yes. Iron Man 2, you had uh, Sam Jackson, Nick Fury, and you had Black Widow in there with Iron Man, and they didn't really balance it, in my opinion, appropriately. I feel like the pacing was off, and some of the characters got you know, better than the other, you got better screen time than the others. This one here, you could really tell they're like, okay, so this is what went wrong with Iron Man 2, let's correct this, this, and this, and then the result is... Uh, Winter Soldier. Yeah, well, in Iron Man 2, it was S.H.I.E.L.D. being bolted onto the side of an Iron Man story. This movie is Captain America within a S.H.I.E.L.D. story. Mm -hmm. So they integrated it where S.H.I.E.L.D. in Iron Man 2 was there for a purpose. It was there to prep for Avengers. And it was a tag on. This is an integral part of the whole storytelling mechanism. And I think it's the exact way they need to go. Like, if you had to ask me, the reason I'm not a screenwriter... I probably wouldn't have went down this route, but having seen this, it's genius. It's on point. It's genre defining. It's character defining. So I'm gonna say, spoiler alert, as you, if you haven't gathered it already, <laughs> this is one of my favorite movies, and I think this is one of the best MCU films. Yeah. Do you know what's interesting is if you look at the Rotten Tomato score, this one's just average. Yep. There's 18 MCU films as of today. This one I think comes in at number 10. Wow. So they have nine above and nine below. Or is that the mouth, right? Something yeah, like that. This is this is the movie that's right in the middle, even box office-wise, too. Yeah, which is strange, because just taking the pulse of this room, we would probably, if we were to rank them combined, would probably be no less than two or three. Yeah. Right? So what's is it because it's more serious, do you think, that you know maybe the critics are a little bit harsher on this or what what's going on well i, I really don't know where this rotten tomato score and it's not a bad score it's 89 percent with an audience score of 92 percent yeah that's a terrific score like, most yeah. movies would kill for that score when you look at civil war it's 91 percent with an audience score of 89 black panther 97 highest rated comic book film of all time on yeah. rotten tomatoes with an audience score of 79 so again there's something funny there yeah <laughs> like i think that's a little bit about these groups and you know we had talked about this in the past but i i'd be hard press i think to find someone that didn't like this movie because mm-hmm. going through it with the retrospective goggles on honest to god i can't find any flaws there's one or two minor nitpicks in here about maybe they should have done this but there's not much in here you need to change or even have to even think about yeah, changing exactly yeah, like no. you it's it's a very fluid movie it's a very dynamic movie and it's breakneck pace like you never have a chance to take a breath and I, I say that, but y- there are slower moments, 
but you're always learning. You're always engaged with the characters. You never can take a break, get up and take a piss while you're watching mm. this because you're afraid of missing something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it, it's really like an album that is flawless where you can just let it go and you never have to yeah. skip a track. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, let yeah. it play. And yeah. that's what you can do with this film. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And Sanjay, you mentioned box office here. Now, this thing pulled in $95 million in the domestic box office in opening weekend, which at the time was considered a really great opening. The MCU, as far as box office, isn't quite what it is today when we're debuting to $202 million for Black <laughs> Panther. Civil War debuted to $175 million some odd. And you're getting huge, huge debuts. But at 95, this puts us at the ninth highest opening of the MCU, I believe. I might be off on that, but it's domestic total here, $259 million domestically. Like, think about that. That's Winter Soldier's total domestic haul, $259 million. Black Panther did that in, like, five days. Yeah. Well, Black Panther's a special film. I mean, you can't compare stuff to Black Panther because that's, like, an outlier. It's like when you're comparing hockey players and you mention Wayne Gretzky, it's unfair to mention compared to that. But, like, you're right. Compared to other films, like, $259 million is just okay. Okay, yeah. Like, if this, let's say this movie, build the MCU the way... And let's assume that Cap doesn't have this film until Black Panther. Let's put flip this movie and put it in Black Panther spot. Does it do Black Panther type of money? No. No, you don't think so? No. 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 Black Black Panther was an event film. It had so much going to it more than just being a superhero film. Mm-hmm. Cultural thing, exactly. diversity. It had exactly. yeah. yeah. It was yeah. yeah, it was a special film from that. For sure. The quality I find is the same. Yes, but yes. but in the sense of of what Black Panther means, yeah, I think you're right. I think that Captain America just doesn't have that same appeal to broadening, to diversifying, to giving a chance to a character that hasn't had any screen time really outside of Civil War and really pushing them and giving. I think it's really about that opportunity, right, to yeah. show what this character can do, mm-hmm. and boom, you created Wakanda. Yes. But yeah. <laughs> nonetheless, we are here to talk about Captain America. Yeah. So this film did pull in $714 million globally. So it didn't hit that $1 billion mark. Still a fairly good haul. I think they're very pleased with this, but it still puts it about halfway down, right? It's not getting as far as its total domestic haul. It's not really even above Iron Man 2. It's not at all. Iron Man 2 did $312 million. Well, wow. the momentum going though, I guess, with Iron Man two, yeah, anticipation coming off of Iron Man one, yeah. Nope. Was this like released during a busy summer? I can't remember. April, it April. Was so yes. it probably had like space, unless there was like a huge movie that came out right before. This was when twenty fourteen. So I yeah, think summertime you're looking at things that Amazing Spider-Man two came out yeah. alongside. And Zero. there's an X-Men <laughs> film in there, and then uh, Guardians Days of Future Past. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Days of Future Past, but that probably wasn't until like May or G- I can't remember when. That no, came I out. think Days of Future Past and this were cl- no, maybe it's a Spider-Man and this was close. Yeah, there's something there. Right, I, I, the, I'll, yeah. I'll check. I'll but check. It, it didn't have the the same legs, right? Yeah. Like it just. The MCU isn't what it is now, even in 2014. Four years removed, we're in a very different space with the MCU than we are here. Yeah. Like this, this movie, I think, goes a long way to contributing to the success of the MCU now. Yes. And about being quality as well as giving the fans what they want, as well as delivering a big story. Right. But it's it's not Black Panther. It's not right. Age of All. You know what I mean? We're not in that same headspace right. that we are now in 2018 going into infinity war so and, and this was the last mcu film coming off of the heels of the avengers run right because actually, you know thor was still no dark world 
come out before this one? Yeah, Dark World it and, did. So and this Iron Man the 3. the last one then, right? Yeah. So, like, you already lost the momentum off of Avengers. Not everybody was really on board with Captain America 1. Yeah. So. Yeah, you're two, root, two years removed from Avengers. Yeah. And you have to remember, too, that Captain America in Avengers was, it was a difficult thing because he was a hard character to develop because he didn't have the time to bring him and modernize him. He kind of got thrown into the deep end right. of a battle with aliens. His suit wasn't quite there. Right. He was fantastic in the film, yeah. but they just didn't give him the time to develop. So I think there's this big question mark. You knew who Cap or Iron Man was in the modern world. You knew who Thor was in the modern world. You didn't know who Captain America was. So there's still a big, you know, I would say greater audience misunderstanding of who Captain America was and what he could potentially be. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I just took a look. So this came out beginning of April. There's nothing else in April 2014. There's like Rio 2, no. Draft Day. So this is very strange. Yeah, it just didn't have the legs. And yeah. I, I think that's that's just a testament or speaking to what the MCU was. You know, we look back at the MCU and we think it's always been this juggernaut, mm-hmm. but it hasn't, right? No. Like there, there was a step change, I think in 2014, as far as the quality of films. And that was followed up with the box office eventually. Like coming, like you look at Guardians was probably also in 2014, but probably one of the biggest standout hits, not because of pure box office, but of what it was able to do with characters that had or were big unknowns and drew in a big audience. Like, it did better than Winter Soldier, Guardians yeah. of the Galaxy. Yeah, I mean, you've mentioned this is kind of the turning point. Ever since this movie, I don't think MCU has had a bad film. No. No, and I, you look back, there hasn't been. Like the last bad film was, or maybe not so great film, was Thor The Dark World, I think. Yeah, yeah. You know, they had Iron Man 3, Thor The Dark World, and since then it's been, you know, at a clipping pace. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 So, speaking about the timeline here and where this movie lies... Winter Soldier itself takes place about two years after the Battle of New York. So there's a big window in there of Captain America modernizing, training, because you see a big difference in his fighting abilities, his mm-hmm. skill set. There's a lot of parkour. He's a bit more violent, yeah. <laughs> yeah. which is kind of nice to see, actually. There's nice references in this film also to Dr. Stephen Strange, which comes a bit early. Yeah, but, right. Uh, Banner, Iron Man, Avengers Towers in there. So there's... A, a nice nod to the much bigger universe. And of course, we've got S.H.I.E.L.D. in here as well, kind of tying this whole thing together. S.H.I.E.L.D. was used as that relative glue up until the dismantling of it here in this film that held the universe together. So you could have Coulson or Fury or Marion Hill pop up in these films and it kind of gives you that connective tissue. Now they're relying on their bigger stars like Downey and that to be that connective tissue, not relying on a Phil Coulson anymore. Right. Which is a trend we see going yes. forward in the MCU. Yes. Yeah. Which I would, I want more of. Yes. Yeah. Cause he's like, he's like Ragnarok had banner. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's about yeah. supporting cast, no longer being characters like your furies, but it's being, you know, your big three or whatever. Right. So it's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, but I think this film really really had a hand in that is is bringing in other characters to support your main solo character. You don't have to have a supporting cast around him that doesn't show up in event films. Right. You can be you can surround a, a character with a Black Widow, with a Fury, you know what I mean? I think that's really cool. Yeah. Yeah, because this movie here as I think about it we see Falcon who's introduced in this film. Mm-hmm. We don't see him again till Ant-Man. Is that Age correct? of Ultron? He's in that party scene. Oh, oh right. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, there's a bit of a reference to what him and Cap have been running around doing that's trying to find right. Winter Soldier. But it's pretty cool what this movie's done. And then I guess Age of Ultron, because by the time he hits 
Ant Man, he's he's an Avenger. Yeah, he's a, he's a big deal. Yeah, it, end of Ultron. When, yeah, yeah. And then when when the when he shows up in that movie, the crowd's like, "Whoa!" Because that's a big spoiler. Like, don't tell anybody that Falcon's an Ant Man because yeah. he's already a big deal after after two movies, and he didn't have like a big big role. It's pretty impressive. Yeah, yeah. Anthony Mackie's a terrific actor. He's awesome. Great. He feels like he's been in this franchise since the beginning. Yeah, yeah. Well, like right he, off the bat, the chemistry between the two is unlike any other. I mean, you could say it's better than. Um, than uh, Bucky's and Caps in the first oh, yeah, movie, yeah, right? They established it pretty well here. Yeah. Well, that's something we can get into, but the relationship between Anthony Mackie and Chris Evans and that translating onto screen, I think it's better than anything we've ever seen from Bucky and Cap. Exactly. Like, I, it's more believable that he would defend Falcon in the way based off their chemistry than he does Bucky later in Civil War. Yeah. Which is so cool because, again, going back to the comics, like way back is the team up issues for countless amount of years, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Falcon and Cap. So I think that's really great that they picked up on that. So well casted to Anthony Mackie. Oh, well deserved. He's been acting for quite a quite a while. Yeah. Right. So to see him finally get this big role and just embrace it, I love it. And and going into the future, I feel like this is why this guy could possibly be Captain America one day. Yeah. Do you we'll think see. we'll get a Falcon solo film, or do you think? Not a solo film. No. If, if it, anything, it may be him becoming Cap, maybe yeah. alongside with Black Widow or something. Yeah. But um, I wouldn't see a solo. I I wouldn't see. I would see a solo <laughs> Falcon film, but I don't see a solo Falcon film. No. We'd see a solo any MCU film. Yeah. Like, it doesn't even matter. <laughs> <laughs> now, now, this movie in itself was adapted from Brubaker's run on Captain America. This is Captain America Volume 5. And a lot of this is drawn directly from issues 1 through 6, or at least the basic concepts and ideas surrounding the Winter Soldier and Captain America. It's the out-of-time arc. If you haven't read Captain America and you want to get into a great story, they've been a bit hit and miss over the last couple of years, but Brubaker's run to Captain America is absolutely incredible. We just made reference to Bucky picking up the mantle potentially someday. This comes out of this, this run eventually. The Winter Soldier reveals in there, their first six issues, it all happens. So if you want to get into a cap and you love this film... Go back to Volume 5, Captain America, written by Ed Brubaker. It's my favorite Cap run. And I think they go about oh, 30, 40 issues or so, and then they pick up back into the 600s and that. It, it's a fantastic run. There's a lot of Black Widow in there. There's Bucky. There's You get the death of Captain America coming out of the back end of Civil War and all the integration into that. It's awesome, awesome stuff. So if you like this, 2005, Ed Brubaker, Captain America, Volume 5, head to that. And that's what it's all about, too. When you make these movies and they're titled off of these comic books, granted, they might not necessarily be pound for pound an adaptation of the book, but it's kind of cool to be like, hey, like you like the movie? Well, there happens to be a title in the books. Go back and check it out. Like, Why mm-hmm. not? I mean, doing this retrospective series, like, yeah, we'll plug it every now and then because yeah. we want to get you guys out there reading these books because that's where it all started. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And a lot of the times, as much as we like the movies, we enjoy the books more. Yeah. It's the age-old adage, right? I mean, we all love the movie, but then everyone always says the book is better. Yeah. Yeah. And And a lot of times comic books, same thing. Yeah. And comic books walks that very fine line, right? Because like you said, Troy, it's not a page for or panel for panel adaptation of what they do in that that arc, but it takes the important elements and translates them onto the screen into something that you can consume as a film. Like you look at comic books, they're very suited in that media, right? Like you can't translate a lot of that directly onto film. But you can take the really important elements of it and 
embed that into your script and you get something like this. Yes. This this is a great adaptation of the work that Brubaker did. The Russo brothers went and met Ed Brubaker before putting the script together, get a feel for the Winter Soldier, get a feel for Captain America. So it, it's great that you see them leveraging the expertise of the actual creator of this art because that was a big controversy at the time too is that Bucky was one of those characters outside of Uncle Ben and a few others that had stayed dead yes. for mm-hmm. almost ever. Like he died in the early parts or coming out of the back end of the original Captain America arc on the rocket, the same way that Captain America, when he fell off, Bucky was strapped to that rocket yes. and blew up with it. So the death of Bucky was something that stayed through Marvel from the 60s, like even from the 40s, really, when this was originally written. So it's interesting that in 2005, they decided to bring him back. And it was probably outside of maybe some of the DC stuff that I'm not familiar with, but it had to be one of the most shocking reveals I think in comic book history. Well, it, it's funny because I mean, Sanjay, you can probably back me here. It's it's really <laughs> funny because you know when you think of original Bucky, yeah, for Marvel, you kind of think of Batman's Robin, yes. right? right? Yes, you they do. always kind of go up pound pound. And it's funny because way back in the '80s, they killed Jason Todd, who was the second Robin. Right. But it's funny because around this time in 2005, I'm pretty sure it's around that time they brought back Jason Todd. So it's yeah. funny. I don't know who did it first, and I'm not trying to start any <laughs> debates or any beef. But I just found yeah. that really interesting that. Both these characters have come back and, and they came back in a big way and like anti-hero like oh, yeah. kind of besting their masters or their 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 um their um I guess their captains, the people they look yeah. mentors. Yeah. They're mentors. mentors. Thank yeah, you. Yeah. That's what we're looking for. You know what I mean? So it's really interesting that they did that. Oh yeah, absolutely. And yeah. give them props for keeping him dead for so long. I mean yeah. in comic books today, people die and they're back in like a week. Yes. You know, like deaths in comic book films hold no water now. You know, someone dies, no one buys that issue because they're like, they're going to come back in a week. Exactly. Yeah. So back then, though, when people died, they stayed dead. And mm-hmm. so for them to bring them back and hold off for 50 years, that's, that's to be applauded. You'll never see that again Ever. in comic books. No. no way in heck. No, they, they just recently killed off Bruce Banner. He'll be back, right? They tried well, right. to kill Tony yeah. Stark. They yeah. killed Logan or Wolverine and he's back already? Yeah. 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 They, yeah. That was like a two-year. They sat on that for a, for a little bit. Little bit. Long, yeah, two years we consider long now, right? Yeah. yeah. Imagine 20, like 50 years. Like, yeah. I can't even think of another character that stayed dead for that long. Uncle Ben. Yeah. yeah. Wait till he comes back as the spring soldier. They'll never bring him the back. Spring the spring soldier. soldier. <laughs> yeah, a little spring much dip. <laughs> With right. great power comes great responsibility. Oh, jeez. <laughs> All right, guys. With that, I think it's time to jump into this film. And again, we're going to say spoilers, major spoilers for Captain America, the Winter Soldier. Now, we made references already, but this thing opens with just a brilliant scene. It's a slow scene, but it really amps you up for what's to come with the relationship between Anthony Mackie, Sam Wilson, and Chris Evans' Captain America. I love this on your left thing. And Captain America is just sprinting around Washington. It gives you a frame of reference as to what and where this is going to be. You center a political thriller in Washington, D.C. So brilliant setting for this. But like he said, the chemistry between these two, it's palpable. It's there and it's immediate. Like I can't get over that Falcon hasn't been in another movie because you would have swore he was coming out of Captain America's solo film roster, the way that they interact here. Yeah, it's great. And it's so organic, the relationship, how it builds. You know, they don't beat you over the head of it beat you over the head with it it's very subtle and they have something to to bond over these two right and yeah. um you just want to be bros with these dudes yeah they're right? so cool together it's it, it's fantastic stuff 
I yeah. want to go to the gym with them and just get <laughs> outlifted by both of them. Yeah, yeah. these guys are absolutely huge. <laughs> but I like the, the fact that the point that you made there, Troy, is they have a simple connection. It's through their military background, right? So they immediately get each other. They talk about sleeping on rocks and how they feel like when they're on a bed, it feels like a marshmallow. So I, I like that immediate connection. They have something to bond over that this just isn't, oh, I happen to run into you in the park. Yeah. Right, it's not a it's it's a bit of a happenstance for them meeting, but the immediate bond because you know Sam Wilson knows who Captain America is, yep. and later on it's it's not something either that that requires a huge amount of build to believe that they could be friends because he essentially goes away for now half of the movie. Yeah, we get a brief introduction and then they pop back up in the later film and ask him for help. So I like that immediate build, kind of jumping into something and then. Boom, we're off to the races. Yes. Yes. But before that, I just want to talk about something that's interesting. This is something that's going to come up in a different podcast, actually. It's it's the list. So we're not going to run through it here in too much detail. But I thought it was a cool concept that they're able to bring just having and getting this idea to the audience that Steve Rogers is still trying to catch up with the modern world, this man out of time. This is something that is very typical for a Captain America story. And I... I love it. I love how they're able to capture this. And this list is, is brilliant. It's got a moon landing on it. Things like Star Wars and Star Trek. It's got that you know, Sam Wilson suggests Marvin Gaye's Trouble Man album. Yeah. So it's it's really cool how they're able to take that and just say, look, he's still trying to catch up. He's still this man out of time. But here we go. This is something that you can grasp onto and something that we're going to probably take here and, and feed this <laughs> into something a little different. So just a little tease there. I, I love that. It's brilliant. And to make this movie more global, I believe, it, depending where you were in the yeah. world, the list has changed. That's yeah. right, yeah. I thought that's so cool. Yeah, oh yeah. yeah. I don't think there was a Canadian list, though. No. No way. <laughs> I don't know. You're so Canadian, no way. Well, yeah. <laughs> what would you put on it? We may get into that later, so hold that. <laughs> put a pin in that. Maple but like I said, <laughs> I was thinking that exact same thing. <laughs> but like I said, after this moment... Captain America gets picked up by Black Widow, her introduction into this film, and we're off the friggin' races. After this point, this movie does not slow down for much. And we hop right into the Lemurian Star. So this is a, a boat, a shield boat, out in the middle of the Indian Ocean. It has a hostage situation. So Rogers, Romanoff, and Agent Rumlow. So Brock Rumlow is dropped into this. He eventually is or turns into crossbones, which yes. is really cool. I like that they integrated this character. He's a big Hydra guy from back in the day. Really cool to see him here. But they're on a boat, and you got to tell me, guys, like when you saw this for the first time or even when you rewatched it here, this whole opening scene, this opening action sequence that comes basically right out of the gates, tell me this doesn't hook you for the rest of the film. Not only do you get Captain America's stealth suit, which I think is my favorite suit to date. So nice. But you get this incredible score behind this film. We've talked in the past, every movie we've reviewed, we've always said, ah, it's got a weak score. I don't really remember it. I can't yeah. really do anything with it. It never draws me in the same way that you even get with some of the Justice League stuff and the Batman stuff. Like, as much of the faults I've, I've pushed on that, the score in there pulls you into it. It feels epic. We've never really had that with a mcu film i think up till maybe the avengers but really this one mm -hmm. this one drags me into the film every time it picks up the pace and there's almost themes in here right yeah like when we start off the film you've got that that original captain america score is tied into it you get on this it gets really intense 
Bucky, the cat or the Winter Soldier, has his own theme, that mm-hmm. kind of screaming theme. Yes. So I, I really love what they're able to do here. But let's talk about this opening action sequence. Captain America is a brutal fighter. Oh, yeah. This this seems cool. This this goes back to the reference I made with uh, Metal Gear Solid Two. Um, man, you know, the, like the bunker scene. This guy hops off the plane with a heli- is it the helicopter or is the plane Quinjet. The Quinjet, which is so cool because it goes back to Avengers One, right? Yes. Where he jumps without the shield. Uh, or without the parachute, just the shield. Oh yeah, does the same thing here, which I thought so cool. The stealth, the stealth is awesome. I love that. But just this whole espionage aspect of the character, because we did not see any of that in First Soldier or, or the first First Avenger. Um, the action is so much done is, is done so much better here, and I just I love what's going on here, man. It's ah, great oh, scene. I totally agree, and I just got to add. Several people died in that scene. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Captain America does not hold back. No. When you're talking about Batman killing, Captain America goes full killer in this. Like, he, he, he was running there at one point and just pushes a guy off the side of the boat. I can definitely drown. Oh, yeah. And to get hit with one of his shields oh, would yeah. probably be worse than a bullet. Like, you're talking well, about death. It's so cool to see him have the shield play because we didn't get enough of that in the first one or even Avengers. You mm-hmm. know, here he's whipping that shield. It's coming back to him. Doing all, all sorts of cool stuff, man. Yeah, it's, the shield is so dynamic in this film. I think yeah. this is probably the best we've ever seen it. Yeah. Even going up to Ultron and Civil War and all that, for whatever reason, they focused in a lot on making it a weapon and not something for defense. Yeah. Like, we, we didn't see this as much in Avengers or even in the first Avenger about it being kind of this this very physical weapon, this dynamic weapon, and something that's used on the attack rather than the defense. Yeah. And that's that's where the twist is in all this. And yeah, you're right. It, it's awesome. And it's it hurts to watch some of these guys get hit. And when he chucks a knife at that guy's hand, Ooh. like yeah. that's intense. <laughs> oh yeah. That's oh, more yeah. like Bucky Cap as opposed to Steve Rogers Cap. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Were you guys happy to see GSP in here? Oh, that was love that. It was really scene. cool. I love too, because it's, it's Batrock the Leaper. Yeah. Who is French in the comic books. And kind of a goof. Yeah, kind yeah. of a, he's kind of a weird character. He's yeah. like he's literally a mustache twirling. Yeah. <laughs> he's got this big ass mustache. But yeah, he's great. Great casting there. And the fight between the two of them. When he takes yeah. off the helmet, puts oh. down the shield. Yeah. I love, I love how he's able to bait Captain America into that. Yeah. Which is one of the things that I'll say that I, I found a little weird. Like, I love it. I love it. But with the goggles on, for the retrospective here, do you think Captain America would be baited that easy into a fight like that? Or do you think they're trying to say something about his discontent with things? Like, the fact that he pops his helmet off and drops his shield and just goes hand-to-hand with him? Like, that that's a little weird. Like, it didn't take much to bait him into that. But he knows he could beat him, right? Yeah. Like, if he was going up against, say, like, Thanos or someone like Ultron, he ain't doing that. But because it's Bartok the Leaper, he's like, okay, I got this. Like, I could do this with one hand tied behind my back. Yeah, I think it's kind of like the Spider-Man effect. Like, he's constantly always holding back. But yeah. if you really want to let him loose, mm-hmm. he'll let you down. No yeah. problem. Oh, yeah. Right? yeah. It's yeah. badass. Oh, yeah. Like, I think it's so cool. Yeah. <laughs> one of the major things that happens on this boat a side mission from Black Widow. Not only is she in there kicking ass, yeah. too. Like, I, I love what they do. I think, Troy, you're right. This yeah. is probably one of her, if not her best movies. Mm-hmm. But it's this theme of trust or antitrust. So there's a lot of little pieces moving around, even on this first scene here, with Black Widow, with Captain America, side missions. And that's something that's built into this whole film, at least the first part of it, is the idea of trust. We go back later with Fury. There's a big trust issue. He says, at one point, don't trust anyone. So I like that they're building this into this overall espionage feel of the film. And they're seeding these seeds of discontent, like I mentioned at the start, of Captain America and what how he 
and how he feels about S.H.I.E.L.D. and what they're doing. He says right at the start of this that he's tired of being Fury's cleanup dog or whatever he says, right? Mm -hmm. He's tired of cleaning up the mess that Fury has made or S.H.I.E.L.D. has made. And he essentially seems to be at one point, even with the Falcon, he's kind of figuring out what he's doing or what he wants to do. But, and this is one of the brilliant points about Captain America, is he doesn't know who he is in the absence of war. Yes. He's, never, he's never lived a life where he's not a soldier, really. So he kind of goes to 1945. He's in, you know, America, post-World One, into World War II, goes to war, frozen, wakes up, fighting aliens, and then he's into S.H.I.E.L.D., right? right? So he doesn't know a life where he's not fighting. And so it's an interesting kind of twist on the whole thing where he's starting to say, like, I'm a bit tired of this. Like, I don't, I don't know what my next step is, but this isn't it. And this builds, again, really well into Civil War. So we jump from this, this incredible hostage scene into Washington, D.C., back to the Triskelion. I love this. This is the Ultimates, yes. or from the Ultimate Universe, the, the S.H.I.E.L.D. headquarters that they've pulled on, which is really cool. It looks exactly the same, too, <laughs> which I absolutely love. But he goes here, and we meet up with Fury for the first time in the film. And again, this is a, a confrontational interaction between Fury and Captain America. He's, again, talking about trust, compartmentalization, and eventually we get to the idea and kind of the seeding of, of this overall main i'm not gonna say MacGuffin, but what the whole movie is kind of chasing in this project insight the essential these three next generation helicarriers they're going to be networked through a satellite that are essentially going to neutralize a threat before anything can happen so it's minority report exactly very <laughs> orwellian it, it's interesting because you think about what's going on now politically yeah. it's 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 you know someone else is playing judge jury and executioner mm -hmm. You know, is in cap says this right in here that this isn't freedom, this is fear. Yeah. yeah. And again, it builds really nicely into this Arnim Zola scene that we get a little later on about how they had to seed the chaos, the wars, the fear to eventually have humanity give up their freedom instead of trying to take it from them. So it's so cool how they're able to pull all of this together later on in the film, but a lot of it starts here with this scene with Fury and Captain America and him eventually seeing what they are doing down in the basement of S.H.I.E.L.D. Yeah, again, I just love the layers that are going on throughout this film, right? Um, I've always loved one of the strong points is the relationship between Cap and Fury, even going back to the comics and going to the films, what they've established. You go to Avengers 1 or even the end of Captain America 1, First Avenger, you get to see the dynamic between the two. So again, you get more of that going on here. It delivers, and uh, it's, overall, it's a great scene. It's uh, one of two great elevator scenes that we yes. have this film. Yeah, yeah. nice foreshadowing. Yeah. <laughs> I like the little story that Fury tells yes. Cass. Yeah. Was it about his dad or his, grand his grandfather? His grandfather. grandfather? Yeah. He was coming home and he get jacked. And Had then... a 22. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that. I yeah. always thought that was one of the better uh, anecdotes that he told. Yeah, and then there's a great line in there about his grandfather loving people, but he did not trust them. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So again, ties very nicely into this theme and it really parallels and reflects Captain America, right? Yes. It's, you know, he loves the idea of humanity of people, but he seems to be having a hard time trusting them. Yeah. So I, like you said, it's a great anecdote and it really ties up a lot of the Fury and Captain America. It's almost like they're on opposing ends here, right? Yeah. Fury does see that there's an issue, but he's looking at the greater good almost. He's saying, you know, if a few people have to die to make the world a better place, he's willing to pull that trigger, right? He's playing that role where Captain America doesn't see it that way. He doesn't see there needs to be death to have freedom. There doesn't need to be death to have security. 
And I, I like the opposing views in that. They're, they're on the same side, but with opposing views. So it's an interesting position for both of them to have. Now, coming off the back end of this, Captain America leaves in a little frustration from the Triskelion, and he goes into probably one of my favorite scenes in the film, and that's the Smithsonian scene, where he walks in and goes through the Captain America exhibit. Now, this is probably one of the most creative and best ways I've ever seen to catch an audience up on a character without using flashbacks or callbacks or anything or massive exposition about, oh, you fought in World War II with Bucky and the Howling Commandos and all this. No, it just walks you in and shows you. This is something that's believable to be in the Smithsonian and him just walking through it. You're talking about Bucky Barnes, the Howling Commandos, how he was the only one to give up his life. A lot of foreshadowing in there for those that weren't aware of who Bucky Barnes was and what was coming a little later on in the film. But tell me, guys, like, this is great, isn't it? Oh, this is, it's literally a history lesson yes. within yeah. a history lesson. Yeah. Like, it's its genius. Um, mentioning Bucky Barnes, it's funny, going into this film, you know, because all of us here, we, we get it. We get Winter Soldier. We know who Bucky was, and we know who he becomes. He becomes the Winter Soldier. And I remember when we saw the trailer to this film, the trailer shows, you know, Winter Soldier, he does the whole shield catch and all yeah. that kind of stuff. Right. And I'm just like, oh, man, that's so cool. Like, there goes Bucky. And I remember uh, my wife slash uh, girlfriend at the time was like, Whoa, spoiler. And I'm like, what do you mean spoiler? Like, that's Bucky. Like, everybody right. knows that. And yeah. then I'm like, oh, shoot. I guess I guess that is a spoiler. Like, yeah. you know, you might not know that Bucky turns <laughs> into this character unless if you're into the comic books like us. So a uh, funny side fact there, which I, something I never really paid too much attention to. But uh, yeah, overall, going back to what you mentioned, it's a genius way without doing a whole flashback of just catching right up to date. You get to see the whole gear in this museum. I love the little connection that he has with the kid. Yeah. It's yeah. just enough. They didn't hold on to it too long. And uh, it's all overall, man, it's a great scene. Oh, yeah. I totally agree. The one thing is, like, how does no one else recognize that's Captain America? He's got, like, the MCU, like, camouflage attire, the hat yeah. and the jacket. <laughs> like, you wear that in the MCU and no one knows. Even Hulk could wear that, hulked out, just, yeah. like, with a cap on. a large man. Yeah. <laughs> Catch the member in Civil War, right? I think it's, like, him, Bucky, Falcon, they all rock, like, the hat, yeah. the jacket, the shades. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was like, okay, I'll, I'll buy it. Awesome. Right, <laughs> I you think- do that now. <laughs> I think in the absence of this scene, a lot of people don't get Winter Soldier's reveal. Yeah. Like, there's no impact there. And there's a scene later on with Skinny Steve and Bucky that you could have put in here, right? You could have had them like daydreaming and had that scene in here, but it doesn't work. It would have felt like you stopped the movie specifically to set up the villain. This is natural, it's organic, and I freaking love yeah. it. It's so good. And you also get a Sharon Carter cameo in there as well. She's speaking on the screen kind of from the 70s or whatever about how Captain America saved her eventual husband and all that. And she has kind of this, you can tell, like she has this, still has feelings for Captain America. And then we get a nice Haley Atwell inclusion here as old Sharon Carter. So they managed to slip her in there. And she's got dementia, which is another interesting thing because this is going to be very painful for Steve Rogers to see someone that she, he cared so much for constantly have to go through this reveal that he is alive again so him having to relive that think about that he's come back from being frozen for 70 years and the woman he loves he has to continue to relive that moment of him coming back again and again and again because she's got dementia like it's it's painful to watch but i think it's a really interesting add-on to the captain america and sharon carter dynamic yeah, it's or Peggy Carter or Sharon Carter. Sorry, or yes, Peggy. Peggy. Carter, right? Yes, yeah, Sharon no, comes later. <laughs> yeah, it's it's really cool what they do there, especially because they could have very well just done a whole little thing where it's like the first time Cap, 
meets Peggy. And we've yeah. been like, okay, cool, whatever. But they do it in such an interesting way that they've already established a relationship since the events of the first Avenger. But then we also get, boom, hit with the dementia, and then they always have to go through that cycle. Yeah. So it's like a double whammy. It's yeah. a really cool effect. Um, going back to Peggy Carter in that little history lesson, the Peggy Carter show, does it catch you up to date with any of that? Like, do you see her husband in that show? No, I didn't watch the second season of it. Okay. But it takes place for the most part just after World War II. So when they all come back from the front line. So 46 through 48. So you see Stark's dad? In the, yeah, yeah. He so in he's there. in there quite a bit too. And cool. the SRR is still a thing. So it's not, it doesn't become S.H.I.E.L.D. We kind of get a, a, a foreshadowing to that, that Stark... Tommy Lee Jones's character, as well as Haley Atwell's Peggy Carter, eventually start up Shield. So right. SSR essentially is a precursor to, to Shield. Yeah. And Tommy Lee Jones isn't in the show though. I no, 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 I don't yeah. think so. Yeah. But um, yeah, you don't get. I don't think any of that. You get some kind of nice references to the Super Soldier Serum and them chasing cool. that and Stark and all that. But it's not so much um, related to the the kind of the seventies and all that and her. Or having a family. I, I think it's all pre that. Right. It cool. would be really confusing to be Peggy Carter. I mean, imagine you're 90 years old, you have dementia, you wake up, and you see Steve Rogers, and he still looks like how he did in 1945. Like, that would be terrifying. You'd be like, what the hell's going on? Okay. Like, I have no idea. And you look down, and you're like, hands all wrinkled. You'd be like, what the fuck happened? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I yeah. mean, you'd look down, and you'd be like, what happened? Not there yet. <laughs> <laughs> No, so it's it's a fantastic scene, and you almost don't have to watch the first Avenger. Yeah. Like, you could get away if you really wanted to and not watch the first Avenger and still get all the big reveals, all the character development in here, and the big steps that each individual takes throughout the majority of this film. Do you know anyone that's watched Winter Soldier before watching First Avenger? I'm sure there's plenty of people. If, if you have, let us know on Twitter and see if you have um, caught up, and then you go back to watch it, because... At the time, First Avenger was kind of like one of the lesser knowns, right? Yeah. Yeah, it was. It definitely wasn't... And it was hard because he's got this big stardom. He's Captain America. So that's a bit harder to sell yeah. than your Hulks and Iron Man and stuff like that right. even, right? So it was. it's a difficult time period to have Captain America on things. Yeah. Even in just merchandise-wise, too. Yeah. Outside of the comics, because the tone they set with First Avenger wasn't really colorful even though Captain America is one of the most colorful kind of characters. So it's kind of a different tone. When you go into this film, right off the bat, it's set in that modern day. It's yeah. not like that gray, washed out kind of tone. You know? mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, definitely. All right, so we've set the scene here with, with Fury, Captain America. We've got most of our characters reintroduced here. And Fury goes and meets who eventually becomes kind of the main antagonist of this film. The Hydra is the big antagonist, but it's Alexander Pierce, played by Robert Redford. Someone that has, you know, a long history of starring in films of the similar vein to The Winter Soldier. And they have an interesting dynamic. They have a lot of history together, which we get some exposition on. But he really sees this idea of this Project Insight going forward, where Fury's starting to get a sense that something is up. He asks him to to halt this. He refers to the World Security Council. This is back and forth. They really want this going. But the Secretary Pierce here, what do you think about Robert Redford starring in this role and being the main villain here, or the eventual villain? He's not a villain in the, the normal, typical sense of an MCU villain, Yeah. but he, he's someone that's kind of sitting on that antagonistic end. World-class actor. Again, yeah, you know, uh, coming off Iron Man 3, obviously we got a big hit a heavy hitter, uh, Ben Kingsley, which was huge, obviously, but this was a world-class actor done right. 
obviously in, in in this world what they did with the with the switcheroo is so much better than, than <laughs> you in mean Iron he's Man. not just another actor robert redford <laughs> <laughs> yeah but but again this is like what's you know like the mcu like we've got anthony hopkins in thor and then you got ben kingsley in iron man 3 and then you got robert redford in captain america like these are heavy hitters where it's like making you have to take this world uh the superhero genre seriously that if these guys are yes. doing these kind of movies mm-hmm. right is, is a big deal so it's a game changer and uh he delivers i think in this film i think he's pretty good I didn't quite get the twist at the beginning. I was like, where is this going? And then right in the middle, I was like, wow, okay, I see what they're doing here. Yeah. And uh, it's great. Yeah, because you don't get a feel that he's the villain. Yes. Until really the flip and reveal. And then in retrospect, you're like, ah, this all makes sense. Exactly. Because right. at a time here, they're, they're trying to set Fury up to take the fall. There's this money trail that leads to Fury. They're sowing a lot of seeds of of mistrust in Nick Fury himself, setting yeah. things up in the background. And you have this Black Widow thing. So... I think they do a great job at giving you a whole bunch of misdirection, but also it's all pointed in one way. It's not a whole bunch of things that don't really matter. Right. They're not threads that are left dangling for later on. It's all tied up nicely, yeah. but they do a good job here of not saying, hey, Alexander Pierce is clearly the villain because he's not off like, you know, dumping sewage. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like yeah. He's not doing typical villain things. He's just there. He's the head of the World Security Council. So you make an assumption that although his motivations might not be exactly as Captain America wants him to be, he seems like a reasonable human, the greater good type of guy. Right. Especially from what they established between the dialogue you have of him and Nick Fury. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that whole thing when he eventually talks to Captain America too about, you know, to make a better world, you have to tear the old one down. So there seems to be an idea there that he wants a better world, but he's willing to sacrifice to get people there, to get humanity there. But what all this leads into is one of the best chase scenes in the MCU, if not the best one. This is Fury. He hops in a car. He's called Mariana Hill to come back. He figures something's up here. But then we get just this incredible scene. And I love how it starts off. Is he looks and says, you know, do you want to see my lease to these cops? Again, a real poke at modern yes. issues. Yeah. <laughs> so it, it's it, it starts... And it just keeps going. It's an intense scene. You got these cop cars. You've got the bullets riddling here. This is something that I've always liked about the action scenes here. And when we get back on to the overpass is that they're not afraid of just firing everything. It's not like two, three guys with handguns. These guys are using automatic weapons, these big machines. The car that Fury is in is cool. What did you guys think about this chase scene? Like, I, like it, I love it. Oh, yeah. This chase scene, I really, really loved it. As you said, Fury's car was the cool thing where it had all the technology and stuff where it said, like, uh, shield damage or, like, windows, 50%, 40%. That was really cool. And then you got Winter Soldier at the end when he uh, throws the car bomb. Uh, I love this car scene. I love this chase scene. It's it's up there. It's one of the best, like, cinematic car fight scenes ever. Yeah. Yeah, no, this scene was really cool, man, and so well done. And it was smart, too, because, for one, like, Samuel Jackson, he's great, but physically we couldn't really see him do this outside of the vehicle. So mm-hmm. what better way to do this than put him in this vehicle to yeah. do all this craziness? And two, we never really seen uh, Nick Fury in this world handle his own. Like we know he's like the big dog, but we're like, well, how does he back it up? Mm-hmm. This is how he backs it up in this in this movie, which is really cool. The car technology is awesome because we all know how Iron Man's suit works. So the audience is already used to like all yes. the commands oh, it's giving. Not so, a big leap, right? So everybody's on board with how this car functions. It's like the way better than the the go go gadget car the night rider like i want that chevy <laughs> like that thing was <laughs> was awesome and then 
once you think he has everything under control, boom, we get the big bad. We finally get, you know, Winter Soldier appearing. This guy's horrifying. This is like the modern day T-1000 coming at you. Yes. And it was so cool. The, like you mentioned before, the score, his music that yeah, kicks the in. scream. Oh, <laughs> man, it, it's fantastic. And then Nick Fury just gets out of there. Love this scene. Love yeah. this scene. It was great. Yeah, it's on point. One of the best in the film. Yeah. And you're right about Fury. It's the physicality of it, right? Yes. You get this, this idea that, yeah, he's involved in this big scene, but the car's doing a lot of the moving. Yes. And he's in there controlling it, doing his thing, and he's got some great one-liners in there. But you're right. They couldn't have him out in the street running away from these guys. He right. had to be in something. Mm-hmm. So it's a great way to give Fury, again, an action scene, but also not have something that's so unrealistic and not believable. Yes. And this comes down to the director's, Joan Anthony Russo, giving each character something big to do. You know, in the absence of this scene, you don't get much fury in there. Yeah. Because this eventually leads into a much more important scene after escaping the Winter Soldier is that he ends up in Captain America's apartment. Right. And this leads again to him telling Captain America, don't trust anyone, and him being shot by the Winter Soldier. And so this is a direct follow-up from this chase sequence. And then we get a beautiful, another big action piece with Captain America versus the Winter Soldier. And that scene where he catches the shield. Yeah. Like, that's iconic. Like, that's oh. from the from one of the first trailers, your first insights into someone big. Because when he's on the in the car chase scene, you don't get much of a view of, of the Winter Soldier. You get the arm. It's kind of blurred through the shattered windshield. This is our first look at our villain. And man, catching Captain America's shield, that's a way to introduce a, a villain. It, it's so cool, especially because I think this is the first film where we've been introduced to a villain where he has like zero dialogue, which just mm-hmm. adds more to this character, mm-hmm. his, the, the, the villain in him. You know, everybody else, whether it's been Whiplash or whoever, they've all been a little chatty. Yeah. This tone is set immediately with Winter Soldier. I don't think even Sebastian Stan has many lines nope. throughout this film. No. You know? He doesn't so. say much. No, no, he really doesn't. Yeah, and they really actually borrow the same uh, elements from that into Thor Ragnarok with Hela grabbing uh, Thor's hammer. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah good pull. Yeah. Good pull. Now, here's a question for you guys. Should Nefiri have died in this film? He gets shot up pretty good here, and it looks like he dies. They played off with Widow, Marion Hill, and Captain America watching him die on the table. Would it have been better for the MCU and for the story if Fury had died in this scene? Have we had Fury since this film? He's an Age of Ultron. Barely. Shows up in the garage right behind the tractor. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Yeah. You, you know what, though? I'm going to say just because he's Nick Fury, no. Because Nick Fury never dies. He's always been known for having like the bots. Yeah. You know, um, especially if there's a bigger game plan for this character. I would say this is probably one of the fake out deaths that I'll I'll tolerate where he's like he's dead but he's not dead. He comes back. I um it, it's hard to say too because we haven't seen where his story necessarily ends, but I'm going to say I, I like what they did with him and I'm, I'm going to say no, I'm glad they didn't kill him off in this film. Yeah, I'm glad they didn't kill him off, but actually I'm going to say, you know, I found the fake out deaths in this a little too much because Captain America fake out death at the end of First Avenger, Bucky <laughs> fake out death in First Avenger, and now you got uh Nick Fury fake out death. So it's three fake out deaths and two movies for Captain America. Maybe Red Skull. Yeah, Red Skull might pop up. Red Skull as well. So maybe that's four fake out deaths. I mean, I feel like it's a little bit overused. Um, I feel like they didn't. They could have still had the same impact without him dying. And but I'm glad he didn't die because I love Samuel Jackson. And anytime he's in a movie, I'm more excited for it. So I'm glad that Nick Fury's still alive. Well, I'm gonna take an opposite position on this than you guys because I feel it would have been more impactful for the film. 
and more impactful for the character if he had have died in this scene. Now, he doesn't do much else in this film itself, right? Mm-hmm. He sits up and says, I have an idea. This is what you do. Maria Hill could have done that. No problem, right? Give him the chips. Here's the idea. It's kind of a, a nice reveal. It's like, okay, everyone's kind of back together here. Yeah. But you look at what Fury's done since then. Like, this is his best film. Yes. Oh, yeah. Out of, out of any, out of the Avengers, whatever, the Iron Man 2 stuff, whatever. This is by far his best film. And to have him die here gives you a lot more impact for Winter Soldier. It gives you a nice ending to Nick Fury. And then you look at what they did in Ultron. That's just a throwaway just for him to be included. But now going to Captain Marvel, they're going back and reusing him in other films pre-Winter Soldier. Right. So hey, Have they said it's going to be... Um... Samuel Sam, Jackson, yeah, too. it's it him. Is him playing him. They're just kind of de-aging. I guess they're gonna de-age him or a something. Bit. He has hmm. two eyes yeah, he eyes. just posted a tweet actually of them putting all that goop on his head to make a model of his face. Interesting. Oh, okay. So I don't know if they're gonna like. I don't know what they're doing there. If they're doing a scroll thing or if they're gonna try to do something else. <clears throat> right. But he is in that film. Okay. So you don't have to lose Fury from the universe. You just have to lose him from the Winter Soldier point forward, which I think I it would have been better for for this universe. I think. What he's going to do in Captain Marvel is going to, again, ground it, tie S.H.I.E.L.D. into it a bit more, mm-hmm. give a familiar character that's dynamic, can have some weight and prowess to him, but at the same time, it's not going to steal the scene from uh, Brie Larson. Right. So he can do a lot there, and I think it would have been more impactful for him to have died here. I'll call it now. If they do follow through with the uh, Black Widow film, i say they'd probably kill him in that. Oh, yeah. That'd be interesting. Yeah. yeah. Her ties be, to him. Yeah. Big yeah. ties with between the two of them. Yeah. Agreed. Hmm. Yeah. And now we're going to take a pause here for a minute because we're 30 minutes into this film and it has been probably the most dynamic, hard hitting, action packed, and overall, when we're talking about pure development characters, impactful film that we've gotten in the mcu in the first 30 minutes here we've gotten our main villain we've gotten kind of this idea you've started to break down some of the foundations of shield you got a huge jump in captain america and how just awesome he is in general and how well the character is being developed like this this movie does not waste any time and i say it almost every review it's about economic storytelling this movie is doing that but this movie is giving you action set pieces at a pace that we haven't gotten an MCU film to date. It's a game changer. This is basically, you know, like what, I guess you could say what Logan did for the X-Men universe. In a sense, we didn't get anything like this in the MCU at all. Mm-hmm, no. I, I think even to date, we really haven't. Apart from maybe the Dark Knight, but the Dark Knight didn't really go into like the mystery aspect as much. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, and this one here, definitely more serious in tone. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um. Not. You, you must appreciate this. Yeah. I 100% appreciate it. I mean, I I like comedy, but I appreciate my superhero films more serious, and that's why yeah. this one is up there for me. There's no like one-liners being like chucked back and forth. There's a couple of them, but I mean, it's it's kept in check. It's no, done. Like, the- Please hold, Hux. Yeah. <laughs> no, and I think like the. the- <laughs> yeah, thankfully, I just got that. I was like, oh yeah, yeah. Oh, <laughs> oh, I think it's important who's doing the delivery. There's a bit of comedy in here, but it's delivered by the right person. You know, Anthony Mackie's doing it. He's mm-hmm. you know a seasoned comedian, or not comedian, but a seasoned comedic actor. Yeah. You know, he can hold that down. It feels right coming from him. You don't have Chris Evans really. You know, he spews off some of the awkward stuff. Yeah. But he's not out cracking jokes. 
And I think that's a big problem with The Last Jedi and some of the other MCU films is that the wrong people are delivering the comedic lines. Right. Like you go to Ragnarok and it's Thor, like Chris Hemsworth can deliver those. Right. Evans, not as much. You couldn't put Evans in that same scenario that you're doing with Hemsworth, right? Yeah. It's always better when he's the fish out of the water where exactly. he's like, hey, I got that reference. Like, yeah, exactly. That's exactly. what works the yeah. best for him. Yes. Yeah. Yes, exactly. And, you know, we talked about action set pieces here and being 30 minutes in, we're about to move into... Again, one of the best scenes in the film, it's the elevator scene. Captain America is dragged back from the hospital by Alexander Pierce. And Pierce more or less threatens him and brands Captain America a fugitive at this point for not giving up the information that Fury gave him, telling him that there's something going on, the shield's been compromised here. And he walks into this elevator, followed by Brock Rumlow and his strike team. The thing that stands out here beyond the actual fight sequence is... They've really focused on Captain America's physicality, how the super soldier serum gave him muscles, gave him the ability to do all kinds of certain things. They've never really went into his senses and his intelligence. This scene highlights both of those. He's kind of looking at the guy, he's sweating, his guy's got a hand on the gun. He seems to get what's about to happen. And that, I think, is an element that they need to focus in on a little more. Is just his pure intelligence. He knows what's going on here. And I love his line about, is anyone, (laughs) before we get started, (laughs) does anyone want to get out? Like, that is so cool. (laughs) I love this. I can't remember what film I saw before this movie. It was was The Dark World. It was The Dark World, right? And it had the little two-second preview of this scene. And I was like, whoa. Okay, I'm on board with this film. (laughs) But, you know, as a kid, uh, one thing I always knew about Captain America, as a kid, everybody always referenced, he's a one-man army. And the fact that they utilized that aspect aspect of the character all in this elevator scene was just awesome you, you nailed it how he's analyzing everybody with the sweat with the guns people are kind of nervous i, I love that i love how he takes out kg beast yeah. from uh from bvs yeah. oh, yeah, and he also right. takes yeah. out uh crossbones just yeah. just like that yeah um so cool and then when he's you know he stomps on his hammer and picks it up like that's Shield. so iconic Shield. that's <laughs> ah, it's, it's so captain america and um the Russo brothers, man, these guys deliver because they dive into these characters and they, they just know how to work with them. I, they, they read the comics and then they, they they just go to town on these characters and they just bring it to life. And man, one of my favorite scenes in the MCU. I'll put it up there. Yeah. It's a oh, yeah. Scene. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Just just terrific scene. And I really like how it's like claustrophobic. You're in the elevator. It's not. It's very difficult place to shoot a fight scene. Yeah. You know, it's not like there's wide open spaces like a empty airport, or, for example. You know, so this fight scene, and <laughs> <laughs> it's intense. And, you know, you, it could get kind of boring, but it doesn't at all. It's a terrific fight scene. I, I just can't say enough good things. It's, uh, is it my favorite fight scene, scene in the MCU? It's up there. It's yeah. up there. It's a close quarter nature of it, right? Yes. Yeah. It, it's intense. You've got like 10 guys in there, Captain America fighting him, and basically he does a lot of the fighting with one arm and one leg, Yeah, right? Yeah. It's so cool. That's so cool, the the close quarters combat. Yes. Yeah. CQC, uh, which is really cool. And, you know, I, I like uh, Pierce, um, Crossbones, where he brings up the taser and he's yeah. like, Cap, this is nothing personal. Yeah. Yeah. There's a little bit of humor in there yeah. in that line. And, and we've seen the, these guys establish already, like they're, they're comrades, you know, so to see them go at it is just, there's something there that I just, yeah. I really love. I, I really love the actor that plays Frank Crossbones. Rillo. Yeah, he's awesome. He's really good. Yeah, From uh, The Purge. Is it yeah. The Purge? Yes, that's right. Yeah. He's really good, that guy. Yeah. And I'm, I'm so glad he returns later on in this uh, this series. Yeah, yeah I, I like... I'm sad to see him go. Yeah, yeah, yeah me too. I like the, whoa, big guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's really good. And how this 
sense. He beats the shit out of all these guys. Yeah. And then he cuts the cable on the oh. elevator and then he jumps out. Now this I believe is from something in somewhere in the Ultimates. Yeah, the Ultimates cartoons. Yes. 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 Oh. yes. Yeah, that the movie. Yeah, yeah, which came up before this. Exactly. Yeah, and yeah. so he leaps out of that, out of the elevator. It's a bit unrealistic find that he lands in the shield that they're flying through. What, whatever, I, I can buy into it. <laughs> it's Captain America. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's pretty cool. And then he fights a Quinjet, one-on-one with a Quinjet. Yeah. <laughs> the bike, and then yes. pretty cool, pretty cool. The CG was a little... I agree, little yeah. shaky. That, that's really just nitpicking, especially at the time. I it's, mean, it's, 2014 is not that long, but, you know, <laughs> it, I, I pass it. I'll give that to you. It's probably yeah. the weakest CG that you do see. It's hard to have a yeah. man running around on a Quinjet. You're trying to keep the pace quick. The shield stuff, yeah. it feels a little video game-esque. Yes. Yeah. A little bit. Yeah. And, you know, we've spoken about how dynamic the shield is in this this film. Yeah, I, I can give you this scene. This scene is also from somewhere in the comics as well. Okay. I believe him fighting the Quinjet now, but really cool. And it really drives him towards becoming this fugitive. And this is where he picks back up with Black Widow. Now, we've seen... One of the small MacGuffins in this thing in that thumb drive that he hides in the bubblegum thing. Yeah. He comes back. And this is when Black Widow actually becomes a real part of this film. We saw her early on. She got the introduction. But this is when she becomes integrated into the Captain America S.H.I.E.L.D. story. And I'm glad she's back on board here because their chemistry is fantastic. And I'm going to say it again, Troy. I'm going to quote you again here. This is her best film. Yeah. By far. And I love that they didn't make her... Or really drag on that, you know, which side is she on? Is she with Fury? Is she with Pierce? Is she Hydra? I don't know. I like that they kind of just go and he doesn't trust her, but they establish that right away. Okay, we're on the same side here. I do trust you. This is something, again, building this theme of trust that he reveals later on that, sure, yeah, I trust you with my life at this point. You've proven it to me. But I like having her back in the film, and this is the right spot to bring her in. If you tried to insert her somewhere else in this film, it might have felt a bit too congested. As they you know, dismiss Fury, they bring back in Black Widow. Yeah. I love it. No, it, it's great. It's cool, especially to have like another Avenger. You know, yes. after seeing Avengers, we've seen these two work together before. So it's kind of cool that they're working together on a smaller scale. Um, and, and again, Black Widow, the look of hers, this is the most comic accurate too, I yeah. would say she's looked as yeah. well. Um, Age of Ultron, they did something a little kind of Tron-like, which is a little wacky. With like yeah. the blue outlining, mm-hmm. I don't really like it, but uh, I really do like what she does here. The, the clothing's pretty cool, and all around, yeah, Black Widow man kills it. Yeah, yeah absolutely. But uh, what if a lot of people wanted Hubba Bubba? Then someone would have <laughs> got the drive, right? I'm just saying he should have picked like a cruddy product. Yeah. Hubba Bubba's great. Well, okay, as as a sponsor, <laughs> buying or paying a whole bunch of money to have your product in here. Do you want to be the one that says, no one's going to buy this Hubba Bubba, so I'm going to stick this very valuable yeah. MacGuffin behind the Hubba Bubba, because the assumption is that no one's going to buy it. Right? <laughs> like that's, You think they paid for that, or you think they're like, you know, you could put it, maybe like their competitor paid to put Hubba Bubba there. Yeah. <laughs> Potentially. Hubba Bubba or Reese's Pieces. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and the nice thing here, too, about, about Black Widow re-entering the picture here is that she's able to provide a bit of background exposition on the Winter Soldier. She describes a bit of who he is, how he's a ghost in the community, and how he got she got shot by him so it brings you a bit more up to speed we've got this villain that's kind of lingering in the background we're 45 plus minutes into the film and we've only had about you know 10 seconds of the winter soldier who was on the title card of this film i'm not missing him at this point i'm not questioning where he is but i like getting these little seeds of information to help bring us up to speed so when we fully get the reveal it's like okay i know where bucky was i know the deal i know his connection to black widow soviet union kgb so they do a good job at building the villain in the absence of him being actually on screen yeah 
And, and, and that's a cool thing with this villain is that because there's such a time span of how long Bucky's been out for, there's all these things that he's done in yes. the MCU that we just don't know about. We've only scraped the ice or, or the surface of what he's done. Like, you know, for instance, Tony Hawk's, Tony Hawk, Tony Stark's <laughs> parents, uh, Black Widow. Like, who knows what else this character has done in the MCU? Yeah. yeah. And the one thing about Black Widow and Captain America here, do you remember when they were shooting this and there were some set photos of the two of them kissing on the escalator? And people were losing their minds. They were so pissed that they were dropping Black Widow in and providing some sort of love story and all this. And it's it's just a way for them to throw off the strike team and all that. But I'm glad they didn't use her as a character that's there for a love interest for Captain America. You know, they could have really easily fallen into this trope of we have this female character in here and she's doing this, but really it's Captain America. They love each other, all this kind of stuff. They did away with all that and gave her the presence that she deserves in this film. They give her a lot of badass moments. She shows her intelligence here, again, developing the character. She hasn't had the opportunity really in any other film to show how smart she is. She's in there basically decoding this thing on the fly. Yeah. And she has all this perception about what to do and you see her about how people feel and what you're doing in public. So again, diving into that espionage, that spy life that she's lived and bringing that and showing that to the audience. So I think it's really great. They showed all of that and didn't just imply it or have her speak to it. Yeah. Thank God they didn't dump her in and fall. Yes. Into the trope Like you mentioned, yeah. because I think especially at this point, the MCU is getting a lot of, um, uh, I don't want to say hate, but a lot of slack, you know, against them towards uh, the fact like what they did with Thor and Jane Foster. A lot of people hated that. I don't think anybody liked what went on with Jane Foster. (laughs) It it was okay with Iron Man and and Pepper Potts. I don't think people minded, but I feel like with Cap, you don't need that Mm -hmm. love interest, you know, and and you can take your time with the Sharon Carter. That doesn't have to come anytime soon. Just little doses. So for here, for for this film to just slightly throw in the little, um, the little, I don't know what you want to call it. It's kind of like that deceptive kiss between. Yes. Yeah. You know, that was okay for me. And apart from that, it's just, it just works so much better. Yeah. Well, yeah, they had this cool habit. banter through the whole film too, of uh, yes. her saying, oh, you should ask her out. You should ask the exactly. nurse out. You should ask yeah. this person out. So exactly. I think they immediately say up front in the film, like this isn't happening between the two. Right. Like she's trying to find him a date, find him someone <laughs> to just to go out with. And I like how she makes fun of them when they're driving after they discover that they have to go to Camp Leahy in New Jersey. And she says, you know, is that your first kiss? <laughs> and he's like, no, I'm 95. I'm not dead. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. that. See, that's the right time to bring in humor, right? Exactly. It's one of the slower moments in the film. You have these two conversing, and there's a little humor thrown in there. Like, it's mm-hmm. not so on the nose humor it's just a little poke it's what everyone's thinking yeah it's a 95 year old man so it, it, it's great it really feels like they needed that moment because after that we got some big reveals and some big action pieces and this is the last time the movie really takes any time to slow down to tell a bit more of a character or a chemistry story yeah and speaking of which we're heading off now to Camp Leahy. So this is where Captain America was trained. So going back to where really it all began. And tell me, guys, the fact that they're able to somehow <laughs> work in Arnim Zola into this film is fantastic. If you had told me this prior to seeing this film, that this character was actually going to be in here and work, I would have said you're crazy because Arnim <laughs> Zola in the comic books is essentially this computer monitor with arms and legs wandering around it's ridiculous and the fact that they could translate it onto screen and make it make sense is again brilliant i loved arnim zola in here yeah i did not see that coming it worked so well how they did that i mean 
Zola and like Modok are like the wackiest looking things yeah. in, the, in the Marvel world, and the fact that they got to pull that off with him was just like okay, I'm buying it. It's really cool. I like how it goes all the way back to our first uh, first Avenger. It ties it all together, and yeah. uh, all around, yeah, it's a great scene. I like that they did that. Yeah, how they did that. Yeah, I mean, talking about unfilmable characters, he's yes. really up there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I can't think of another one. Maybe like a Galactus, just based on scale, would not look good on screen. You know, so that's why they made the smart decision to make him a fart cloud. <laughs> but no, this seriously. is not in this universe. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, seriously though, I think it was great, and I love how the computers were very '80s technology. Yes. Yeah. You know, they weren't like modern laptops and stuff yeah. like that. They were like the size of a room. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I a thought that was great. Yeah. yeah. Captain yeah. America though should have been so confused. Like, what's a computer? Yeah. <laughs> but he said he did. He was around for two years, and he said the internet. You know, like at yeah. the start when he's talking to Falcon, that's yeah. a great thing. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and really, the point of having Zol there, other than a nice tie back to Captain America and the first Avenger, <clears throat> played by Toby Jones, is that he provides all of the needed exposition to get you to the next part of the film. So he basically does the Hydra reveal that we've been in the background, we've been a parasite, we've been seeding chaos and violence, trying to get humanity to surrender their own will to eventually lead to Project Insight. So he wrote this algorithm that was being uploaded via the Lemurian star through the satellite about how to target individuals that were going to put up resistance to Hydra, eventually revealing themselves and taking the reign of the planet. So I like all of that. At first I was like, oh no, when I rewatched it, I was like, this doesn't make sense. It's just an exposition scene. But they, they call it out. I'm here to distract you. Yes. Yeah. So they exactly. sacrifice Zola. They sacrifice that asset to try to kill Captain America and Black Widow. They fire this big missile at them. So it's it's a fantastic exposition scene. It's one of the longer ones we get in the film, but the reveal is great. We get reference to Tony Stark in here. We get reference to deaths. And, you know, there's so much. And they build again into the Winter Soldier, that he's around when they wanted history to go a certain way, they called in the asset. They called yes. in the Winter Soldier. Yes. So it's great. It's a ton of exposition, but it's really well done. Yeah, and, and exactly, and this is also why we we we've given the Winter Soldier effect. We 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 made that claim yes. because these little things makes uh, the first Avengers so much better. Mm-hmm. You can now go back, pop in that DVD or Blu-ray, and uh, and then appreciate these sudden scenes more, these subtle scenes a little bit more. Yeah, because yeah. of that, yeah. and you get this too with Zola and his experimentation on Bucky Barnes. Yes. It's kind of a throwaway scene in the first Avenger when Cap finds Bucky on that random table and he's kind of a bit delirious and all that. But they retcon that in a certain way to having Zola was experimenting on him, injecting him with stuff. They gave him the ability to survive the fall, Mm -hmm. the big fall that he takes and loses his arm with. So it's a nice retcon. I don't know if that was done on purpose or maybe they put that in there as just a throwaway. Yeah. But it was great that they're able to say, no, look, Zola did this to Bucky Barnes, and it kind of gives him and Captain America the same upbringing, right. which mm-hmm. is really nice. Mm-hmm. And really does connect the two films that much more so. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And one of, one of the few nitpicks, I feel like I, I got to say something, is, <laughs> and I, I've heard this before, that it's just more of a continuity thing, is when they kind of run out after getting blown up with a missile, they're about 10 feet underground, <laughs> where in the actual S.H.I.E.L.D. thing, they're probably like, 15 stories right <laughs> so crawling out of that him surviving that fine that you know it's it's a it's a nitpick because i feel like i gotta say something <laughs> because i'm not gonna say much else going forward that's but, a super nitpick. <laughs> yeah that's a very super nitpick but i mean when you have such a terrific film you you know you gotta find the you gotta find the little there's stuff. nothing it's yeah. something you just look at and you're like okay that's kind of weird but it doesn't really matter yeah <laughs> 
And the next part, as, as we were kind of rolling through this film here, is we get the reintroduction of Falcon, really the recruiting of Falcon into the cause of Captain America and Black Widow at this point. And they reveal eventually from Jasper Sitwell as to kind of the larger Hydra plan. So we're taking from what we got from Artem Zola, and then we get the reintegration of Jasper Sitwell, who's been a character that's been present in phase one of the MCU through a couple of films as well. He was in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Actually, there's a nice tie to Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. in this where Jasper Sitwell, the character, is sent off to the mirroring star from the TV show Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. So there's kind of a nice connection there. So this is where we kind of get that main drop of Bruce Banner and Dr. Stephen Strange. We get the reveal of Senator Stern, who's from Iron Man 2, that he is also Hydra. So hail Hydra in here. It's, again, it's a nice moment to bring Sam Wilson back into the fray, have him be impactful, but also introduces the Falcon suit, which is awesome. Now, this is directly out of the Ultimates version of that character, of it being more mechanized. But I love to look at it. The CG is awesome, how he carries himself, what he's able to do a little later on with it. It's great. It's an awesome way to introduce it without having to go into full combat. You kind of throw Sitwell off the roof, has him pick up. You get this big moment for Falcon. He's not embroiled in battle. You get a moment with him, and it's like, wow, this is great. I love this character. <laughs> yeah, no, that's a great scene. Yeah, you mentioned the Doctor Stephen Strange. I remember the whole crowd was like, whoa. Yeah. yeah. And I didn't realize how big Doctor Strange was, or at least known to that audience until that scene. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was really cool. Uh, we, we, we mentioned uh, before going back to Zola and, and even MODOK, like unfilmable characters or transitioning yeah. a comic book character. Falcon, his costume, yes. you know, it's looked 70s and it stayed yeah. 70s for a very long time <laughs> so to see them really take after the ultimate line was was a good decision oh yeah uh, going like early mcu i really feel like they borrowed a lot oh, yeah. from the ultimate universe not so much now because it's really become its own universe mm-hmm. so i do like the idea of them taking falcon suit and making it more uh more real because they've even done it even in the netflix universe you can look at those costumes and they're very like they stand on their own they don't look they don't look so like comic book like yeah you know what i mean so uh yeah falcon, falcon was a great design i like what they did there and um when they threw him off the building, I actually thought like he was done. But yeah. it's cool that Falcon came in there and took him. So Yeah. Um I like the Falcon costume as well. I'm just curious, is it the same technology as Vulture from Homecoming? No. no they're the different because they have the very similar like designs or birds and they yeah, have wings. Fal- Falcons are actually wings. That's what I thought they're gonna do with yeah. uh, vultures is gonna yeah, be the I same. But when that. you look at vultures, it's actually like he has the wings, but he also has the propellers that are oh, built inside too. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of like the old uh, helicarrier. Exactly. Oh, That's yeah. exactly what it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, good call. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and now, now that we've got most of the reveals, our heroes have an understanding as to what the next step is. They take Jasper said, well, they're going to take him and have him reveal everything. But then we get the overpass sequence. Ooh. And man, this is our first full Winter Soldier reveal, him fully in action. And man, does it take off. The score again, I got to call it out here. It picks up. It's intense. We get the screaming from the Winter Soldier presence. But it's so good. This fight scene with Hydra, with Winter Soldier, I'm a, I'm a broken record here. It's probably what our fourth big action piece in this. Where And traditionally, when you look at the MCU films, you've got three. You've got one at the start to introduce the character. Yep. You've got one in the middle, which is traditionally the best. And then you get your final battle. We're up to four here already, yeah. and they're yeah. all stellar. This one is another standout. Like, it's intense. You've got a lot of gunfire. You've got 
each character having a moment. Falcon gets his moment. Cap gets his moment. Yeah. Black Widow gets her moment. Yeah. And even Winter Soldier, he has a couple of scenes in here which are used and meant to show how powerful he is. And does it ever deliver? Yeah. No, th- this this scene is great. You mentioned the score. This is when it really picks up for me. It has like that, that horror aspect almost going on with this because... He, Winter Soldier is just out for blood. Like there, there's zero emotion. He just wants to deliver his mission and be done with it. Um, the whole scene is is so awesome. Again, that close quarter close quarters combat going on between Bucky and Captain America with like the knives going oh. back and forth. Like mm-hmm. all that stuff is awesome. This is the first time in the Marvel Cinematic Universe where we're really like the fighting's cool. Like Thor, it was never that great. You know, it's the, the hammer being tossed around. It's, it's yeah. very, like, Braveheart-ish that we've seen it it's a thousand times. It's very comic book-esque. Yeah, yeah, right? And then Iron Man, it's like, you know, it's the repulsor beams over and over again. Yeah. But Cap here, especially this film, we really see some actual combat. I remember seeing the uh, behind the scenes and actually seeing them do the choreography, and I just thought it was so cool seeing Sebastian Stand and... Um, like Chris Evans really go at it and, and get it. And uh, Sebastian Stan, man, a lot of credit goes to him. Like he Whoa. holds it down. In yes, this he scene. does. Mm-hmm. It's, it's so good. And like you mentioned, Black Widow shines and we get to see um, how um, Falcon can actually stand on his own and potentially be Avenger. Like this guy really knows how to throw down. Yeah. So really great scene. This is probably one of my favorites outside of, I don't know, actually, now I think about it, I mean, the elevator scene's <laughs> yeah. awesome. Yeah. And the then Fury the first chasing. opening scene on the bunker is awesome. Like, yeah. I don't... The Fury chasing, like, they're yeah, all like, awesome. They're, they're yeah, all, like, yeah, there's unreal. not a bad one in here. Yeah. No, it's... I, it, I don't know. This is probably... I don't know. I can't even rank <laughs> it's them tough. anymore. It, it's, it's tough. tough because, like, even the, the knife work, it yeah, is dope, it's, man. It's so, and it's so close together, yeah. right? Like, that's yeah. really hard to shoot. There, there's yeah. a really specific scene in there where he goes to stab him, yeah. Bucky, and Captain Rick catches on and he drops the yes. knife and he swings down and picks it up right. and swings it at him again. That's the scene I saw them uh, choreograph. Yeah. That was oh, awesome. Cool. Yeah. I think if I'm not mistaken, if you look at some of the behind the scenes stuff, I think Sebastian Stan was wandering around with like a, a fake plastic yeah. knife. Yeah. Flipping it around. Flipping around. And, yeah. That's the one. And yeah. trying to catch it. Yeah. So cool. Yeah. This, yeah. this is it's awesome. And then we get the big Bucky reveal here. And how did you guys remember seeing this? Was We all knew this was coming, but do you think waiting, we're well over an hour into this film until we get this reveal. Do you think waiting this long serviced the film the best way it could have? Or would you have wanted this earlier and had more time to think about the relationship of Bucky Cap, what this means? Or is this a good point to do this? Yeah, I think this is a good point. I mean, as we said, comic book fans like ourselves, we knew it was coming. So we were waiting for it. But general audiences didn't. If you had it earlier, then it wouldn't have been as impactful for the general audience. Because, you know, you build up the character, you build it up, and then you reveal him. We've seen a couple good fight scenes with him, and he doesn't really look like Sebastian Stan. He's got his face covered. You know, if you didn't know and you just saw those scenes, you probably wouldn't put two and two together. But because um, they waited, I think, you know, they, they did it at the right time. I agree. Yeah, I agree. I echo your thoughts. Um for me, it didn't do anything because I just I knew it was coming, and yeah. it's kind of unfortunate. Like I wish I could have seen it through other eyes yes. because I was just like I just knew it was coming, so I was like, okay, whatever. I think Cap says Buck. He says yeah. Bucky. You know, like, yeah. Cool. He stops too, right? It, it, it stops. Well acted, well executed, but it just didn't do anything for me because we knew it was coming. Yeah, that, yeah. that's a reveal. One of those things that, although it it was meant to be impactful, yeah. the audience that knew it was coming, you just didn't get that. Like. Yeah. I agree with you. To see it through the eyes of someone that didn't know that was happening, yeah. it would have been great. I think the build was perfect. Yeah. He goes, you almost see it escalate right, quite nicely through the film. It's like he has a blurry vision of him. You get something of a bit more of a reveal. 
and then you get some understanding of him, and then boom, here he is mm-hmm. after this awesome hand-to-hand combat. Yes. So yeah, it's, it's a perfect time to reveal this character because it gives you, again, some time to think about things before you get to the end battle, which weighs heavily on their relationship. Yes. You have to understand the relationship enough to understand this final sequence when Captain America eventually gives up and says, you know, I'm with you to the end, Buck. Yes. So you don't get that unless you have this reveal about this point and you have some time to think about it and them to build it a bit more in the film. But coming off the back end of this, so the crew being uh, Sam Wilson, Steve Rogers, and Natasha Romanoff are all arrested. And we have Mary Hill come to the rescue here, knock out some guys, and they take off using this little lightsaber thing again that Fury (laughs) had used before. And this is when we get the reveal of Fury is alive. And to me, you know, you just come off of a big Bucky reveal. Mm -hmm. I've, I've said goodbye to Fury already in my head, and to have him come back here... Yeah, you know, it's, it's, like I said, when we started, I wrote the word reveal down a lot. They spent a lot of time in this, fi- in this film making big reveals. This one I could have done without. I think they should have handed the mantle to Hill, let her take things on, and kind of went from there. It, it's, it's probably the only slow moment in this film that they take the time to do that I'm a bit like, okay, I'm ready to take a next step. I don't particularly need this. What are you guys' thoughts on that? Did you like that reveal? Did you like how the film slowed down a little bit to do this? Uh, well, I don't know if I was necessarily surprised that Fury came back. Um, as a film, it makes sense to slow the pace down a bit mm-hmm. after that high-octane scene that we yeah. just saw. So I get that aspect. Um, we got to see a little cameo of, I think it's Anthony Russo. Yes, it is. The yeah. doctor? Yeah, that's yeah. cool. Oh, yeah, interesting. Yeah, I didn't yeah. know that. Yeah. When he's like over here, you know, and it's the doctor that operates. So, um, that, Just that's... putting pressure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that was, that was a little cool. But it, it does lull here a little bit. But as a, as, a, as a film, like I mentioned before, I think it makes sense to bring down it a little bit of a, a notch and um, kind of bring you up to date on what's going on. But yeah, not not the best scene. Yeah, I mean, as I said, you know, another fake death out or <laughs> fake death scene. So... I could have done without that, but I thought the scene itself for a fake death scene was was all right. Yeah. It wasn't anything earth shattering. No, no. And at the end of the day, it kind of just it's a means to an end, right? It progresses the narrative a bit. It gives you that last piece that they need to kind of progress into the final battle. Fine, they keep Fury around. Okay, I think it would have been more impactful, like I said, if he actually died and he could have done it with another character. But at the end of the day. Let's move on to the next point. And this is really the big battle here. There's a couple moments in between here where we get some revelations about Winter Soldier. We see them scrambling his brain a bit, get some insight as to what they're doing, how they're using him as an asset. And then we more or less get kind of this full reveal that Alexander Pierce is, in fact, the head of Hydra. Mm-hmm. Like, they didn't explicitly ever come out and say that in this. They implied a lot. And him wandering into this room and having that moment, I guess, actually before Winter Soldier, before they sicked him on Captain America and Widow, him shooting his, um, his, maid. his maid and all that. Yeah. Oh, so yeah. we've, we've got this guy in the background. So we've got kind of this multi-leveled Hydra, head of Hydra, Winter Soldier. So there's a lot of antagonists in this film. It doesn't ever feel overwhelming. But Pierce, he kind of just does his thing up until the end. He has a bit of a moment at the end. And I want to talk to you about another reveal if or when it could have happened. <laughs> but our team here is now getting ready to suit up. And Captain America, in the absence of his stealth suit, any suits that he's had in the past, goes back to the original. What did you guys think about the throwback to the original Captain America suit and this beautiful Stanley cameo at the same time? 
Oh, I love the cameo. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I love his cameos. You know, every yeah. time he pops up is great. Um, I, I love this suit. This one's my suit. For me, when it comes to the Captain America suits in the MCU, I go with uh, Age of Ultron. I feel like that's the closest to the Marvel Now mm-hmm. uh, suit. And then my next in line is the uh, the classic um, First Avenger. I love this costume. This costume looks even a little bit better than the last film. Again, going to like the hue of the actual film, the yeah. lens. It's a little bit better. It's a little kind of brighter, but like a real tone at the same time. So I, I love it, man. And it makes sense that he'd go back to his costume because he's definitely not going to throw on that blue ranger suit from the Avengers. <laughs> yeah, no. hopefully that's in his closet somewhere <laughs> never to come back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's for homecoming. To yeah. Come. <laughs> yeah. Um, but all around, yeah, it, it's, it's cool. I, I like what they do. They got the crew. You know, he, he has the crew of people that he trusts, right? Like, mm-hmm. this is this is the crew. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. And then we go into this, basically the final battle here. We have Captain America. They kind of infiltrate into S.H.I.E.L.D. a bit here. We see Black Widow where she kind of goes into with the World Security Council and that tech reveal later on. But he really makes a plea here to S.H.I.E.L.D. saying, look, we're, there's two there's two sides to this. Hydra's infiltrated S.H.I.E.L.D. And then you have this really cool standoff moment where you have Emily Van Camp's Agent 13, who is eventually revealed to be Sharon or Sharon Carter. And she's in there and they demand from the strike force a, an explanation. And then you have this really cool standoff. And I really like it. It's kind of shield versus Hydra. And you yeah. see how deep Hydra has sunk its teeth into, or its fangs maybe I should say, into <laughs> shield. And you see everyone stand up and then this gunfire. It, it's a really cool scene. I really enjoy that. And it's basically them saying, you know, we're with Cap and Hydra's here. So it's kind of a cool way to juxtapose both the S.H.I.E.L.D. end and the Hydra end as basically the foundation of S.H.I.E.L.D. is crumbling underneath itself. And that was one thing that, that Steve Rogers came out with when they were kind of hatching this plan about we need to put these little chips into the big helicarriers to have them shoot at each other. Is he said, "There's it's zero or nothing. Hydra, S.H.I.E.L.D., I don't care. The whole thing's got to come down. Which was an interesting perspective from Steve Rogers, right? He's basically saying that this whole organization, good, bad, whatever, it's got to come down. Like this whole idea of S.H.I.E.L.D. and the espionage, everything's got to crumble. And that perspective, it kind of threw me a bit, but it does make sense after seeing what they're able to see through the whole movie with Captain America. It's all or nothing for him at this point. Well, yeah, it's kind of cool. It's kind of him taking a little bit of a lesson from, um, uh, is it Bryce? What's the head of Hydra's name again? Um, Hydra. Alexander Pierce. Yes. It's kind of him taking his words. You know, you got to, take down a city to build a new one. Yeah, you get a, mm-hmm. yeah. Right? In a sense. So I'm paraphrasing there, but basically that's what he's uh, he's doing here. Yep. So I like that. Um, it's cool. Like you mentioned, we got the Hydra versus the Shield. It's a little bit of like an Order 66 yes. uh, going on there, which is cool. And again, we get to see uh, Crossbones do the cool like maneuver when he drops the gun. Yeah. Uh, slices oh, yeah. Sharon and then grabs the gun at the bottom. I love that. Like that's so cool. Um, so all around, yeah, it's a great scene and it's like a slow build. It's like the final battle. Yeah. I really like what they're seeding here. Yeah. <laughs> All right. This this final battle, though, it's it's again, it's another huge set piece. This is by far the biggest piece we get in here. We got these three helicarriers in the air. Really cool CGI. We've got Alexander Pierce here watching over this, very much like the Emperor watching over the battle in Return of the Jedi. Right. <laughs> I really like that. It's kind of right out his window there. We've got Captain America and Falcon doing their thing. It's intense. It's a lot of fun to watch. 
and I'm loving it. Again, it's capping off this movie with another big action piece and a movie filled with them that were much more close quarters. This really blows it up and makes it a bit more of a city-wide thing, yeah. which is the first time we're actually seeing anything like this. And overall, Falcon does great things. Cap does awesome things. Black Widow, like I said before, has this nice reveal. We have Fury coming back into the fray here. And overall, I think I think it's a great way to end this film. There's intimate moments. There's very big moments. And to me, it, it's brilliant just the, the way they cap all this off. Yeah, no, it's great. And it's a nice turnaround from, like, especially in this day and age, I feel with the, the end battle scenes. You know, even if you go with Iron Man 1, uh, Wonder Woman, um, there's there's been a handful. Not just Wonder Woman, but there's mm-hmm. been a bunch of these movies. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, where we get these big showdowns, and they just turn into a hot mess. Yeah. This was, like, a nice skill, and it's an intimate battle between two bros, yes. basically. And uh, the crowd can feel the weight going on between them. Uh, meanwhile, you know, Falcon's doing his thing too. There's, there's like a, like a high octane action scene going on over here, but then there's like a intimate battle going on over here. And then you have Black Widow shining. Like, you know, the Russo's again, spreading out the action pieces between the three and really gets the sense of these characters. It's, it's really great what they do here. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, this film didn't have the largest budget. I don't even know. I think it was probably less than like Iron Man three and, oh yeah, probably. and Thor the Dark World. But I mean they done so much with their budget. You could tell they probably saved a bunch for the final battle because that's kinda of like their grandiose set piece. But you gotta give them hats off. All the action scenes have been great. Um the one thing is I gotta say, you know, at the end with Cap and Bucky, you know, they're going toe to toe, then Cap stops and he goes, You know, I'm with you to the end, Bucky. Like, come on, man. I mean <laughs> if you guys are ragging on Martha you guys got to rag on ah, this, right? Ah. I mean, this is the exact same thing. No, because Superman and Bruce Bruce Wayne didn't grow up together. They don't, they don't <laughs> got that chemistry like these no. two, man. Yeah, <laughs> but I mean, it's the same thing. It's just the one it's like saying something, and then you, it's the everything behind that line. You know, it's the in this one here, they grew up together, but like Winter Soldier has his mind like controlled. He's had it wiped. He's not Bucky at this point. But that's the point of the line. It's, it's something that they, they go back to, and that's the only flashback that they do in this film, is Bucky says that to him, right, after his parents die. So it's a significant moment in the life of both of them. Mm-hmm. And that's trying to, he's trying to jog his memory, right? And so saying something like that, that he'll remember, he'll think about, because he's punching the crap out of him, and then yeah. he says something like that, and he stops. So it triggers something in his mind. So he has this awareness or this want or need that Bucky is still in there somewhere. And how do you drag someone out? You give them a memory that was significant for them. Outside of that, he could have said anything, right? He could have said, like, I, I, I don't know, remember that battle we were in or whatever. <laughs> but that's not a significant memory because he's yeah. been through a lot of that. It's about reconnecting on a very intimate and personal level. A significant memory after your parents died, a one word. Where where did I hear that again? Yeah, oh, but... Oh, yeah. But it's, it's less about... <laughs> it's less about... <laughs> well, it's not like the group... I don't know. I, I don't even want to get into this, but <laughs> it, it's more about the connectivity between the two of them about sharing something other than a name, right? Yeah. It's not like he just says Sarah and, like, that's, well, that's Captain America's mom's name. It's not like he said, oh, you know, you, you were there for me when Sarah died. What did you mean, Sarah? Like, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, it's not. That would have been better. <laughs> it's not that. It's about something that they have invested in a shared moment in. And it's well, not just a name. Well, they like, have something established, these yeah. guys. Like, they they yeah. actually have history together, <laughs> these yeah. two. It's not a, a common name. You know what I mean? It's just, 
<sighs> we'll, we'll have to agree to disagree because <laughs> I don't want I don't want to de- derail this because we could be here till midnight. <clears throat> That's true. Yeah, we're never this. going to agree on that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not with you to the end on this. I'm sorry. <laughs> One, two, three, Martha. Okay. <laughs> I, I do like how this ends. It's like you said, Troy. It's intimate. Yeah. yeah. It has an air of there's more of this story to tell, which mm-hmm. we need from this. But I will give you this, Sanjay. It may have not been 100% earned. They may have required a bit more of, of connection between the two of them to feel 100% blue. I'm like 90% there, 95% there with what they do. But I'm thinking about the greater audience. Do they get this moment as much as we do? Because we have the established interest in the characters from the comic books. Like I think they did like an alright job in the first one, showing showcasing their relationship. And and for me, like I, I don't mean to like rag on it. Like for me, like I I, I think it works. Um but yeah, I, I think they did alright. Maybe they could have showed a little bit more of them because you don't really see you see like a couple scenes with them together growing up, but it's not like anything more than like something that you would believe would last like a hundred years in the future. You know what I mean? But let's remember both of these guys lives stopped right after they were like bros, right? Yeah. yeah. So like winter soldiers existed, but he's, you know, freeze thaw, right? He has, he's got no memories and mm-hmm. they established that, that he doesn't remember anything. Yeah. And so their last moments together are some of their most recent memories, even though they're 70 years removed from it. Right. Yeah, I guess that's true. So that, that's kind of where I'm coming from. But overall, I think this this film ends in a way where it progressed all the characters enough and it gives you a nice tease that Winter Soldier's to come. There's more of that character to be developed. There's more of this story to tell, which I'm very happy with. One thing I want to talk about here, Alexander Pierce. Now, he is taken out by Nick Fury. There's a really cool sign or a really cool... Uh, visual there when he takes off the eye patch and you got to keep both eyes on me i love that that he had put his other eye into the system (laughs) (laughs) that's so nick fury yes it should have yes it very much is but should have should alexander pierce been the red skull there's a lot of theories running around that there was going to be a reveal that alexander pierce was in fact the red skull do you think they should have done that did you miss something like that are you okay with how this ended Oh, hell yeah. I would have been totally on board with that because I'm a sucker for Red Skull. Yeah. I, I still believe to this day he's out there somewhere. He's not dead. And I think that reveal would have been awesome. Yeah. Absolutely awesome. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's from the comic book run from Jeff Johns' Avengers with there's like a U.S. senator or U.S. president. And you, this guy's like such a jerk. And then it gets revealed that he's the Red Skull. And it would have been like a nice throwback to that Avengers line. So I thought that would have been kind of cool. If, if they did that, they should have used Hugo Weaving. But then maybe it would have been too obvious. Way too obvious. Yeah. But but would the general audience have known that? Yeah. Because you don't. So. You... Well, just because like you have had the people returning from part one. That's true. To this film, and you wouldn't even you wouldn't know like even all the comic book people, right? Like yeah. right away, you've given away what you're expecting to be a big reveal. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And to me, I don't think they needed it here. I think that would have been one extra reveal too much that he's pulled away the mask and it's actually him. Mm. I'm fine with if they even had teased in a post-credit sequence or whatever yeah. that he's around, that he may have been pulling the strings from the background. But cool. I don't want him, Alexander Pierce, pulling away or using the same tech that Black Widow had to say, look, oh, it's yeah. actually me, the Red Skull. Yeah. Ha, ha, ha. Like, <laughs> how, like, how do you end that properly? To me, this brings a fitting end to this story to Alexander Pierce and the fall of Hydra and S.H.I.E.L.D., 
without having to explain again who this character is, why he's now dead again <laughs> after coming back again. Yeah. We've had enough reveals and comebacks already in yeah. this film. We don't need another That's one. True. So I'm, I'm happy with all of that. Did you guys catch the the Tarkin reference? No. In this film where uh, the guy's about to release the, uh, like, like he's about to release the shot, basically. He's like, you may fire when ready. It's kind of like the Tarkin, you know. Oh, okay. uh, I didn't even catch it. Yeah, you may yeah, fire when ready. Wow, yeah, Tim, yeah. you're and slipping. Then, and, then it, and then it doesn't go off, right? And he's like, hey, what's happening? But oh. I totally caught the Tarkin. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, reference there. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, great end to this film. There's, the, the, like we said, the intimate battle between Cap and Bucky. Fantastic stuff. And then we move really into the epilogue of the film. We get quite a bit of exposition set up for what's to come later on in this universe. And we've basically got Romanov dumping shields and hydras, all their secrets onto the internet here. We get Agent 13 joining the CIA, which we see and pick up back in Civil War. Hill joins Stark, which eventually turns out to be the Avengers. We've got Stern. Senator Stern here is apprehended. Crossbone does survive after having a brief battle with Sam Wilson. And what's nice, a nice reference from Civil War is he says, this is what I look like now. You dropped a building on my face. Oh, yeah. <laughs> reference to that. So he eventually does become Crossbones. Fury, big question mark here. He kind of burns everything, including his eye patch. Don't know why he did that. I guess that's like, fine, everything's gone. Everything's been revealed. But why did he burn his eye patch? Yeah, yeah put on the shades instead, eh? Yeah. Well, that's quite another Shaft movie or something. Yeah. <laughs> well, doesn't he have the eye patch back in Ultron? He does. So he's just like burned it. He's like, oh, why did I do that? I gotta go buy another one. <laughs> he pops back up in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. actually. He's oh. wearing the glasses right after this. Really? Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So, and then, yeah, Black Widow testifies here. She basically says, you're not going to arrest me because you need me. Again, nice nod to what's going on in Age of Ultron. There's been some references, or there was references from Fury about them going to Europe, which they eventually do in Age of Ultron, that essentially that Hydra hasn't fallen. They still have to go around and chase all the remnants. And that's where the Avengers actually pick things up yes. in Age of Ultron. And overall, that that's it besides these end credit scenes. How are you guys feeling about this film? Like As a whole, to this point, do you feel like this is a great, well-told story? I kind of know the answer here, but <laughs> let's just wrap it up. <laughs> Love this movie. Love this movie. It's um, it's up there, man. It's it's in my top three. It's it's ah, it's tough. Today it might be my number one. Tomorrow could be my number two. It always bounces around, but it's definitely here to stay. Um, I think this is the right direction of the MCU. I think they really needed this film. I don't know if the MCU would be necessarily where it is exactly if we didn't get more films like this. You know, uh, you can kind of see inklings of this film even going into Black Panther. Yes. Right. So I think this film does some really great things and uh, a huge step for the character of Steve Rogers and Chris Evans. Um, I really like what Chris Evans gets to do with this character in this film. He takes one step closer to just being the all-around Captain America that we all want and need. So, uh, man, pound for pound, I love this film. Totally recommend it. This is, uh, so far in the retrospective series, this has been my favorite movie we've uh, reviewed so far. Yeah, I would have to agree with a bunch of those sentiments, actually. Uh, This is a terrific film. My favorite in the MCU so far from the retrospective series that we've been doing, excluding Black Panther, which I guess is part of the retrospective <laughs> series. Uh, but the true retrospective. But the true yeah. retrospective right. series, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Up until this point in time, it was my favorite MCU film. A lot more serious. The fights were more realistic. Awesome. 
this is like a throwback film, a great action film where you could have had this film and it didn't necessarily have to be a superhero film and it could have still been a great film. And that's the mark of a true film. This is an amazing film. Even though it's, what, the ninth, tenth in a franchise, ninth, it still yeah. feels like the first. Yeah. You know, this is like an original film. This is so well done. The action set pieces, are so many of them, and they're all really well done. Terrific acting. Sebastian Stan, I mean, gotta give this guy credit. I just watched him in I, Tonya, and that guy's... So a, good. Right? Yeah. I was like, man, this guy's a really good actor, and I'm glad that they've given him more to do because he doesn't get a ton to do in here, but whenever he's on screen, he's captivating. Yeah. You know, he's like that strong, silent... Uh, villain and he's not like the mustache twirler he's just uh he's like a pawn and you can't help but feel bad for the guy because he was so nice in the first avenger you know looking mm-hmm. out for little buddy steve and now he's got his mind warped and stuff it's he's a you know as we say the sentimental villain he is a sentimental villain and i wouldn't even you know he's not even a villain anymore and that's how sentimental he is yeah. <laughs> you, you, you know you love him in civil war maybe not civil war but you love him going forward even though he's killed like all these people, you realize it wasn't his fault. Yeah, yeah. As Captain America explains to Iron Man in Civil War, <laughs> maybe Iron Man doesn't love him in Civil War. But <laughs> yeah. So, would you recommend The Winter Soldier? No, yeah, <laughs> not at all. No Hate Martha, it. none of Sarah. Yeah, <laughs> is that her actual name? Yeah, because when you see that out, or... Sarah Rogers. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I guys, I, I I fully agree with all your sentiments here. This is my favorite Captain America film. I don't really consider Civil War a Captain America film. It's a Captain America story, but Avengers film. Overall, this does wonders for all of the characters involved. Everyone from Black Widow, Fury. Winter Soldier, Captain America, of course. So it, it's a holistic film. It's an extremely well-done film. Breakneck pace. There's not a thing wrong with this. I tried to point out a few things just to be a little bit fair, but I, I wouldn't change any of this. It, it really propelled Captain America, Steve Rogers, to being the pinnacle character of the MCU. Coming out of Winter Soldier, it's no longer Iron Man's show. It is Chris Evans' show. It is Captain America's show. And it exists that way up and even till these more recent Infinity War trailers. Captain America is the heart and soul of the MCU. And this movie is what did it for him. So 100% recommend for Captain America, the Winter Soldier from my end. Full props to Anthony Joe Russo, the writers here. Everything is on point. I'm happy that we're getting this crew moving into Avengers Infinity War. It gives me the utmost confidence that they're going to deliver an absolutely stellar film. And hopefully, if we're going to conclude some of these arcs, a really good conclusion for characters like Captain America and Iron Man. Overall, that wraps up our retrospective review of Winter Soldier. But let's talk quickly about the two end credit scenes. One setting up Age of Ultron and one setting up what's going to happen in Civil War eventually. We get Baron Von Strucker. So he's a Hydra agent here. He proclaims the Age of Miracles is happening. And we get a nice tease of Loki's Scepter from the Avengers. And also the twins. We get Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch with their first appearance in the MCU. So this this is probably one of the most dense after credit scenes that we've gotten in quite some time. Oh, it's yeah. directed by Joss Whedon, and it threw a lot on the table for the following year's Age of Ultron. Yeah. <laughs> I remember this one. Um, I wasn't feeling it. I wasn't feeling it at all. Because really? I was like, I what is it. going on with um, uh, with with the twins? It, I, I felt it was weird. Like, the angles we got, I, like, the power sets were off. I didn't yeah. know what was going on. It was shot kind of weird. I... I never just not feeling. I already knew they were coming, 
because remember there's the controversy I'm pretty sure at this time there was with right. with uh, Quicksilver, Quicksilver and then the yeah. Fox one going on yeah and um, I think it was Marvel that was forcing their hand at having um, Quicksilver and uh, it just it just didn't work for me I didn't really like it that much and then I saw the, Se- the, Skept- the Scepter I thought that was kind of cool but I just never seen them in the cage and I was like this is this is weird after coming off the heels of this movie yeah it is just weird for me yeah yeah I haven't seen it in a while I really liked it yeah, yeah for me I actually kind of dug it uh it was the reveal of the two twins, which was like, okay, like they're going to be in there. I didn't really know that they're going to be in age of Ultron. And you know, it really does a good job setting up age of Ultron. And if you don't watch this, when you watch age of Ultron, you kind of be like, what's going on. So this is actually a pretty crucial end credit scene. A lot of the times they just throw them away nowadays. Yeah. Like look at homecoming, like the captain America one was kind of funny, but I was like, man, this is like when they still gave us something and they still tease the next movie. And this is like a perfect, you know, bridge between Winter Soldier and Age of Ultron because Guardians, while it is in between, it doesn't take place in the same timeline. So you can kind of remove that and watch that earlier or later. So, yeah, I think this was a crucial scene. I can't, I can't remember. Does it explain much of their origin? No. This, or, or like, do we even know much of their origin? It's basically through the Miracle? Mind Stone. The mind, okay. Yeah, like they couldn't use the mutants. They couldn't use that exactly. Right? So they're using oh, miracles yeah. and that. Right. And you know, this is probably one of the last ones that isn't a direct yank out of the film it's actually in. Because mm-hmm. like Civil War, I can't remember whatever what was it Ultron or whatever that they teased or no Ant Man maybe they teased Civil War in, and yeah. it's just a scene from Civil War that had yeah. Ant Man in it, right? Right. And so this is a is a fairly big setup. One of the last times they used a film to set this up because this scene isn't in Ultron. No, 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 which and, is surprising. Yeah, and you get basically the explanation of it. Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch look way different in Age of Ultron. Yeah. They never explain why Quicksilver has white hair or anything like that. But <laughs> right. anyways, it doesn't matter. It's because his dad, Nagneto. Yeah, yeah. Schmeck, schmeck, schmeck. Yeah. <laughs> and then the final post-credit scene is just the Winter Soldier Bucky visiting back at the Smithsonian, the memorial in his honor. So again, he's jogging his memory like as something mm-hmm. bigger. So yeah, teases something way bigger to come and we get all of that in Civil War. Yeah. All right, gentlemen. Well, that pretty much wraps it up for our Captain America, the Winter Soldier review. Full round table of recommends from us here. Of course, you could have gotten that from basically the opening sentence in this retrospective episode. We'd like to thank you guys for tuning in. And if you'd like to be a bigger part of this retrospective series, which is winding down very quickly, we've got three more movies to review, which is going to be a bit of a task before Infinity War, but we will get there. We promise to get something out to you guys, at least in the build-up to Infinity War, which comes out at the end of April. They've given us one less week. Those jerks. Yes. <laughs> but if you'd like to be a part of this, you can always email us at thenerdroom at gmail.com. You can hit us up on YouTube or Facebook. You can contact us through the nerdroom.net. Just click contact and hit email us, and we'll get an email directly from you guys. Or you can always hit us up on Twitter. Our handles are at the end of the episode. So... Until next time, where we'll be reviewing Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 1 for the MCU Retrospective Series. I'm Tim. I'm Troy. And, and I hope you guys, by the time you hear this episode, got your tickets for Infinity War. Yes. Because yeah. you got to take this journey with us. Oh, yes, yeah. Definitely. They're going to be sold out if you're waiting till now. Yeah, yeah. they're going to be gone. Yeah. You hear us all. This is going to be actually air after Tuesday's episode of right. review of Infinity War. But hopefully you've gotten there and listened to our Infinity War review when it does come. And I'm getting my tickets for Infinity War. But I'm also Sanjay. (laughs) And thank you guys for entering the Nerd Room for the MCU Retrospective Series. This has been a Nerd Room Podcast production. 
You can find our hosts, Tim, Troy, and Sanjay, on Twitter at TheNerdRM, TroyTheBoy87, and Sunjabby. For more content from The Nerd Room, check out TheNerdRoom.net. Don't forget to subscribe to The Nerd Room on iTunes, Podbean, and YouTube. Be sure to head over to StarWarsCommonwealth.com to find more podcasts in the Star Wars Commonwealth Podcast Network, including Talk Star Wars, Tumbling Saber, Generation X-Wing, Rogue Squadron Podcast, Skyrim's Podcast, and San Diego Sabers. Follow the Star Wars Commonwealth on Twitter at SW Commonwealth and take your first steps into a larger world.